Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Alright. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. Happy Friday to you. Welcome into the show. It's Friday, January 26th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in actually dry and not sunny, but somewhat bright Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to take accounting to a whole new level, you can do so with UofL's Masters in Accounting and Analytics. They've got an 11-month competitive, uh, 12-month program and 11-month competitive internship opportunities and also full access to the Becker CPA exam review. All this prepares you to graduate just career-ready in only 12 months, visit business.louisville.edu backslash MSAA today to learn more. We're on the air from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the planet Earth and beyond. You know what's better as the Big X. Very happy to be back here on a Friday with my guy, Rashawn Myers, who joins us once again. You hear him on Wake Up 502 every Saturday morning right here on 1450 The Big X. You read his stuff on Twitter and various other places. You hear his questions in post-game press conferences. You know him. You love him. We love to have him here. Rashawn, happy Friday to you. Thanks so much for coming back with us here. Except for basketball press conferences because I refuse to go anymore. No, just <laughs> <laughs> you formerly I, loved his, press, his questions at press conferences. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'm just playing, man. It, it, I've had schedule conflicts. You know, high school season is uh, up and going fast, so usually I'm monitoring the games uh, via satellite, as they say, for uh, any conflicts. Can't miss any of the baby boys' games, man. I, you know, I just – I can't – you know, it's like, hmm, let me see. Watch my son play or just go be frustrated at the Yum Center. I might watch your son play over go being frustrated <laughs> at the Yum Center. I'm looking for any sort of excuse. I would love to have a kid playing sports right now so I could be like, you know, I, I got to be a good dad, got to prioritize the kid, can't watch these games. Unfortunately, I don't have the excuse just yet. Wait till your little ones get out there. It is, it's the most nerve-wracking thing in the world watching your child play. It is absolutely ridiculous but yes i would definitely take that stress over the stress of watching the basketball team it's not even stress anymore really is it it's just kind of just it, it, it's it, all- is, it is for me i still get so invested in every game oh. like it, it's very odd it's god ve- love you and, and I, I heard you talking to scoots yesterday said i'm gonna talk, want to talk basketball all day. I, I promise i'm not gonna beat you over the head with basketball mike if you want to talk lions we can talk lions uh, I, and I do have a bone to pick with you later on, too. Okay, I can't wait for that. I'm excited. <laughs> we will talk a little lines. I mean, we have basketball to talk about today because we heard from Josh Hurd today yes. for the, the first time in a long time, said some things that a lot of people are reacting to, gave his thoughts on the current state of U of Elman's basketball. We also got some financial figures to dive into. Uh, just how dire is it from a ticket sales standpoint? How much is that affecting the university? Could that impact the decision that's going to be made here in a couple of months? 
all that good stuff. Oh, and we have a basketball game tomorrow. By the way, yeah. I did a podcast this morning for the, the CC podcast. When we got to the very end, I'm, I'm doing like the little spiel we do at the very end where it's like, please subscribe to the podcast and forgetting that we'd even talked, we hadn't even talked about the game tomorrow <laughs> or made predictions. It just kind of, it, it all just sort of feels like an afterthought, but we will talk about Louisville's game tomorrow against Virginia. We've got some football recruiting notes to get to. Uh, we will hear from you on the Thornton's text line as always at 502-414-1450. 502-414-1450. Lots to get to. Loaded Friday. Uh, Rashawn, how's the week been, though? Uh, you, you, Louisville basketball aside, yes. we can get your thoughts on the last couple of games. But uh, outside of that, how's the week been? Outside of that, the, the the week has been good. It's been very – this weather has been very odd. I don't know what yeah. to call It's like a steamy shower room outside. It's like, gross. It's very weird. I definitely will take it over the two-degree temperatures that we had last week. But it's been very odd. I can't keep my, my car regulated. The windows fog up. I turn the heat on. They get, uh, you know, they get uh, defrosted or unfogged and then gets hot in the car, so I turn it off. They fog back up. I can't figure out the weather pattern, so I don't know whether I need to go with, like, cool air, warm air, like, medium. I don't know. Like, the, so know. the weather's been weird. Uh, you know, Holy Cross got their butts kicked uh, by Manuel on Tuesday, so they were in their feelings about that, but they took it out on Valley last night and beat them by, like, 50. Nice. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the sun had a good game, had another little highlight dunk. Got to get those highlights together for that. but uh, So, you know, hey, we're getting ready for district play. This is their last seven, eight games uh, of the season before things get serious. So hopefully Holy Cross is uh, getting on the right foot. They've had a rough couple of weeks, man. They, they Their coach did not pull any punches with the schedule. It's the best Holy Cross team literally ever. But unfortunately, he scheduled so heavy to where they just don't have the record they should have if they played their normal schedule, if that makes sense. I did have to defend – your son's honor a little bit on the last podcast because my, oh, really? my buddy who I do it with Danny, he played at Trinity back in the day and he was, we were talking about how bad Louisville is at perimeter defense. It always yes. goes back to that. And he was talking about how, you know, playing us is kind of like you'd have a get right game in high school. And he was like, if we were going to play like Holy Cross or somebody, <laughs> he, he's like, I, I, he's like, I would know going into that. Like, I'm going to get my shots. Like, like this is the game where I'm going to be open. It's just a matter of how many can I make? Yes. And I was like, I, I got to correct you a little bit. Like that was maybe true back in the day. Back in our day, but now Holy Cross kind of has a squad. So Absolutely. I, was, I, I was defending you. I appreciate that. that and our guy right. Justin Rank, who, who played there back in the day. I was like, you know, we, we, we don't take shots at Holy Cross in this podcast. I appreciate we're not, that. We're not going to do it. Mad respect. Mad respect. Although I do remember, like, senior day, I remember playing Holy Cross and we, we beat them pretty bad. Oh, I, I just told my son. Teams back I, I was then. like, son, let me tell you something. But look, Holy Cross was always the game that you just put the check mark on. Uh, we, we had, um, I can't remember who it, uh, who it was. We had uh, one of the former Louisville guys. Uh, on on uh, what's the, the the younger the wide receiver from uh, Mayo, uh, the mouth of the South talks loves to talk. I can't think of his name. Uh, Louisville wide receiver went to Mayo, went down to Tennessee. The, Montrell, Montrell Jones. Jones, thank yeah, you. My, we had Montrell on our show one day, and of course Montrell started at Tennessee before coming back to Louisville. And he said when he was at Tennessee, anytime they got ready to play Kentucky, he said we didn't even practice that week. <laughs> You're like, you know, we just kind of went out there, walked around, but nobody took UK seriously because, you know, we just knew it was going. He said Fulmer didn't even care. He was like, yeah, you know, we went out there. We knew Kentucky was coming in. So, you know, that's kind of the way Holy Cross used to be looked at. I told uh -huh. my son that. So I like, you know, understand that you guys are by far uh, exceeding anything that Holy Cross ever aspired to. So, you know, take pride in that. So. They are. They are. <laughs> Montreal, by the way, was an absolute beast. He Absolutely. Was, he was three years older than me, and I'll never forget. It was one of those where, like, he was – Obviously, three years is is always a difference in age, but when you're like eleven and you're the other guy's fourteen, it's like different lifetimes. It's different than like high school freshman compared to high school senior. And so we were, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends who 
who played Little League Baseball with. And Montrell was friends with one of the old, the kid's older brothers. And he was over there. And he like didn't play baseball growing up. But he picked up a bat and joined our game and hit, I think, the farthest ball I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, granted, I was 11 years old. so <laughs> yeah, But like, in my mind, he, hit it, life, he yeah. hit it 612 feet. Like, it was like, I was like, I didn't know this was humanly possible. And I was like, this guy could be the – he's better than all of us. And he doesn't even play the sport. Like, that's how good he was. And then he yeah, ended up being pretty damn good in high school and in college. He was a, he was a freak for sure. Um, last night, I mentioned this before the we got off the air in yesterday's show. Our boss over here, Troy, he's the man. He hit me up and he's like, "Hey, I got invited. I got some extra tickets for the U of L women's basketball game tonight. We have a suite. Would you and the family want to come?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, let's let's do it. It'd be great." I've not gotten the we've, we've taken Virginia to a few games. She's been to volleyball. She's been to football. Um, she's been to, to some other games, but we've not gotten her to a women's basketball game yet. And John, we haven't gotten him to like really anything. He just, it's, so this was going to be perfect. Nice little, you know, they have their own little area. They can run around. They can do whatever they want. John's Cardinal christening. John, we, we need, yeah. But then <laughs> I, I get home after the radio show and John's not feeling good. He's got a oh, fever. He's the, 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 the runny nose, all that good stuff. So Mary's like, you know, I, I don't think we can make it. And she's like, do you want to take Virginia? And I'm like, I, I'm like, I would love to, but I guarantee Virginia just does. She's not into sports. She's not going to, you know, she's going to get bored after like 10 minutes. She's going to want to leave. Like, we're, gonna, we're not going to, I'm not going to get to watch any of the game. It's going to be kind of useless. It's going to be a waste of time. And I was like, I don't even think she really wants to go. And, and I'm like, I'm like, Virginia, do you want to go to this game with daddy? And of course she's like, yes, I, 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 I'd love nothing more in the world than to go to this game. She's going, like, she hits you with those, like, she's got the biggest eyes in the entire world. She hits you with the biggest size. And I'm like, well, of course, now we have to go. There's no, there's no way around it. I'm like, maybe it'll be great. Maybe she, this is the night that she'll fall in love with basketball. I've tried a million times. Maybe this will be the night where she just gets it. And we go down there. She's thrilled. She remembers going. She's been to the Yum Center a few times for various events. And, you know, she, she like, was talking about how we went to Disney on Ice there and, and all this stuff. And she's singing in the parking lot. We're going through the little tunnel from the parking lot to the Yum Center. And she's just, it's chatterbox, chatterbox. <laughs> and everybody's just laughing their ass off at this. Like, she's like just talking about how much she loves Disney and how much she loves singing. And it, like, great spirits. We go in. She loves going up the escalator. She sees all the stuff, and we, we go to the suite, and she's, she's into it. I'm like, this is great. We're, we're having a good time. We get through the starting lineups, and she's like, I want to go get a cookie right away. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we, we got a brownie. We'll get you situated. Good to go. We get the brownie. We, we eat a little bit of the brownie. We watch like the first three minutes of the first quarter. She has to go to the bathroom. We go, we go to the bath. It was her first time in a men's bathroom because they didn't have like they – don't, they, they don't only have men's and women's in this little yes, area. They, they don't, don't have like the family. They don't have like the family. Yeah. And she, we walk in there, and <laughs> – I believe her exact quote was, uh, she goes, "It uh, this smells nice. I bet everybody wants to come in here. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, I was like no, they don't. Trust me, they don't. And I, I sent it to my wife, and she's like, make sure she washes her hands very well. <laughs> so we, we have that experience. We go back to the, the, the suite. We watch. We, we get through almost the first quarter before she starts very loudly talking about how she likes Disney on Ice more than this, and she wishes this was Disney on Ice. And when do we get to go back to Disney on Ice? <laughs> and, and you know, she she thinks this is a thing. Like ball games are more for grownups, and Disney on Ice and other things are more for kids. Like she's she's like letting everybody know this as they're trying to watch the game. I'm like, good God! Like please stop! I'm, I'm like, please, I'm like, let's just watch a little bit. Like it's fun. There's the, there's Louis the Cardinal Bird. I'm like, he's like sitting in his seat. I'm like, Louis, get up and do something, please. <laughs> dance, like, Louis, dance. Give me a dance. I swear to God, I'll, I'll pay you money. And so we get to the second quarter, and she very more and more. She's like, "I want to go walk around." We go like walk in the hall a little bit. We go like tour the, and she's like, "She's like, I, I'd rather be home watching the iPad." I'm like, "Jesus Christ, I, I've ruined this child already. She's done." 
And I'm like, let's just, you know, they'll have something fun at halftime. Let's just go to halftime. We go up there. She kind of, she, she's just not into it at all. She's just like talking about how much she wants to, to, to go home and watch Disney on ice. We get to halftime. There's a cool little dancing uh, thing that they do at halftime with some people. She's sort of into that. And then I'm like, maybe we, we'll get her hooked for the second half. No. Right when right the dancing thing ends, she's like, you said we could go home. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Said our goodbyes. We made it to the half. That was my goal going in. We listened to the rest. Of course, like the first half, they don't play that great. And then last night in the second half, they go nuts in the third quarter and pull away and win by, what was it, 26 or 28? It was, I think it was 88 to, eight yeah, to 60. Yeah, 60. Mm-hmm. They looked, yeah, Kiki Jefferson went nuts. She was fantastic. I got to watch maybe like you know, 10 minutes of live action. And, and I got home and, and <laughs> Mary's like, did you love it? Did you have a great time? And she's like, I think I like Disney on Ice more, and I was like, God, I'm like John, save this family. <laughs> but that was it was her first experience. Yeah, hopefully we'll have the first match. She loved volleyball when we went, uh, like we went to the Elite Eight game against Oregon a couple of years ago, and she was really? big into that. But it was, you know, it, it was a valiant first try. It, it can only go up from here. Hopefully we'll get better. Hey, but I, I am living proof. It. Let me tell you something. My son had no care about any of my sports and any of my basketball or anything. Cameron still does not watch basketball. Just say he plays basketball, but does not watch basketball. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like he literally learned how to play basketball playing NBA 2K. Really? <laughs> yes. Like he does. He will not sit down and watch a full game with me. Wow. Like at all. And he's 17 and literally playing basketball like as a, you know, pseudo job in school. <laughs> but yeah, he just, it's some, but you know what? He still just, you know, has, has become a very, you know, good ball player. So, hey, you can, you still have a chance. Who knows? Virginia might surprise you. She might end up, you know, doing a little field hockey or, you know, volleyball or, you know, never know. I don't know about that. She, she's, she's very, it, it, she's also, she's just not very coordinated. Now, now, John is pretty coordinated, although I'm getting worried now. So he's got you know, his sister, he's got an older sister who's two years older. And then my niece is always over at our house, who's five. <laughs> So it's just like two older girls that are just constantly like they're always playing with Barbies. They're doing princess stuff and they're like getting him involved. So like I, I, he's not, I don't think he's developing. He's not. He's not. Come the on, number. John. Let's play with the GI. I know he, he's. Well, I mean, you know, he, he does that. He's big into Paw Patrol and trucks and stuff. But I can't get him to play with a basketball goal enough. Like he's very good at throwing. He has no interest in catching whatsoever. And now I've got Greer sending me like videos of his kid who's like raining ten foot jumpers on their little tykes goal. I'm like, Tim, we gotta beat Jeff. Like, you can't. Theo Greer's embarrassing you. Start working out. Like he's got a cannon. Like he's very good at throwing. We, we, we've gotten good at that. Uh, he's gonna have to be a quarterback though, because he's got no interest in catching. But when I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, all right, good throw. I'm like, let's catch it now. He's like, no. And like if I throw it, throw it to me, he just like looks away. Actively <laughs> makes no attempt to catch. So we're gonna have to work on that. But for, yeah, Virginia's no help. She's not. I, I can't get her to to play, to play basketball or do anything. She gets very frustrated very quickly. So it's not even worth it. If she drops like she can catch 15 balls in a row. If she drops one, just total meltdown. She's like, I'm too little to do this. Why are you making me? I'm like, oh my god. She, yeah, she's got Poor her mother's thing. temperament. It's okay. We're we're yeah we're we're working on it. We're we're gonna get better. But John, I think he's he's more patient for sure. I think we can I think we can work on this. I think we'll get better as time goes on. But hopefully hopefully he'll be a late bloomer. Sports lover, I'm telling you, if you're a sports lover, it's like the the counterbalance because, you know, I was ridiculous growing up, had Michael Jordan posters everywhere, uh, cutting up Sports Illustrated, putting it on the wall. So if you love it, your kids are just destined to just drive you insane because they never love it as much as you. I don't know. I mean, I feel like my dad was, my my dad was, my dad played college basketball. He was very much a sports person. Yes. And I was like very, very into it. My older brothers were into it, but not as much as I was. Die hard, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, don't, who knows? Hopefully we can find a, a happy medium. We we need we need one. I I need to have one. I'm fine with. Yeah, I'll get into. I think Virginia's gonna be more into like stage and th- she's always performing. 
uh, which I, I can get into. Whatever she wants to do, I'll, I'll get into. But I would like to have one that at least for at least for a few years I can just you know work with a little bit and kind of have that uh, that that fatherly sports relationship because I played everything growing up and yeah, it was kind of it was my entire childhood. But if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's okay. I'm not going to pressure you. Love me either way. It's yeah. fine. Just a little bit less. <laughs> Than I thought, just a little bit less. Uh, but it was fun last night. Do uh, shout out to the women's team bouncing back from their first loss in conference play. They got beat by North Carolina uh, over the weekend. It was a little bit, a little bit sloppy at first. Boston College is a team that likes to muddy the game up, but the Cards big time second half. Then they run away and win eighty eight to sixty. I also did love. I got the shout out on the broadcast from Jeff Greer, who was calling the game, and I told him after that because he was like, he's like, I was on the broadcast. I gave you a shout out. I'm like, oh cool, I'll check it out. And then I told him I'd forgotten on yesterday's show. I was doing the, the the quick read for listen to the game tonight on on 970 WGTK, and I saw like it's ACC Network Extra with Jeff Greer, but they spelled Greer G R I E R, and I was like, I don't even know if that's the same Jeff Greer. I was I was like, I don't know, I, I was I don't know if that's a misspelling. I was like, I thought I'm like, how could you not know how to spell his name at this point? I was like, I think it's a different guy, and so I felt bad. I was like, I didn't I didn't plug you on the broadcast because I thought it was just somebody different, but he was. He did a great job last night. Uh, and and the cards pick up a, a much needed victory to get back in the win column. You know who didn't pick up a win last night? Haley Van Lith and the LSU Tigers. Hmm. I am so conflicted. I'm not conflicted at all. I, I, I'm a hater. I, I'm hand up. I, I'm a hundred percent a hater. I thought I was, and I thought I was, you know, was really invested in just I'm just gonna love it every time LSU loses. But then I watched them last night and Angel Reese fouls out, and LSU has a chance against South Carolina. I watched the game. I loved it. Uh, I love you know the women's game just as much as the men, just about. Uh, but I was watching the game, and Angel Reese fouls out, and it's all on Haley's shoulders to like carry them to a victory. And she hits one big three to tie it, but then she had another three to try to tie it again, and she missed it. And instead of like being like, ha ha, yes, you failed. Your dad can suck it. You know, I was just kind of like, man, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. I, I feel like I want to be angry, but I can't stay angry at her. I think I legitimately said out loud, your dad can suck it. Like, like, <laughs> they showed him in the crowd after, like, she hit the three, and he's, like, going yes. nuts. And I was like, your, your dad can suck it. Like, hey, the stories that I've heard, I don't, I, there's not one part of me that feels sorry for the dad, for sure. A little bit feel sorry for Haley, although at the end this was her decision. I think that's what it was. I feel like she kind of, I, I, I don't want to say it was just all, I don't think it was all her. I think a lot of that 100%. was, you know, exterior pressures being put on her. So I think that kind of brought me back into it because I, I mean, she is a she's a very talented player, and she's been mostly ignored by the LSU team, like outside of when they just have to give her the ball, pretty much, even though she's been starting. So I don't know. I just I feel bad for because I hate for this to be the way her last year goes. Now, did Jeff, you know, kind of bend over a little bit backwards, way too much for her while she was here? Absolutely, but I still think she deserves better than what she's got at LSU. She also, I mean, and this is not like a. I'll take the hater hat off for a second. This is not a hater thing. I do think that she's getting exposed a little bit playing on that team and playing a little bit better competition because last year she was good for us. She was not great. Like, yes. like she she was a you know she was a, she had the, the clip about being upset that she's an honorable mention All American. She didn't deserve to be a first, second, or third team All American last year. She just she didn't. You know we've had star players here that have been fantastic, and the you know out of the three teams that she played on. The one where she was asked to shoulder the most of the load was the wor- was the weakest. I know yeah. we ended up making the run to the Elite Eight, but the teams the the prior two years were definitely better than last year's team. And a big part of the reason was she didn't shoot it as well as we thought she was going to. She's not great defensively. She just isn't. That's not again. That's, that's not very a very nice way of saying that. She's bad defensively. She's a horrible defensively. <laughs> there's not yeah. There's not that's not a hater talk. It's just watching the game, and you see it every single game. If you 
if you Twitter search her name during games, you'll see a number of LSU fans who are like, she just she can't guard anybody. And she gets – they're trying to have her run the point, which is something that we didn't really ask her to do very much of because she wasn't very good at it. And I think if they, if they played Flojay Johnson in her spot and switched their roles, they'd be better off. I mean, Angel Reese, the fourth foul I did think was BS. But the, the fifth foul, she gets it because Haley makes a terrible turnover. Yeah. She drives the lane and throws it to nobody – and then it's transition, and Angel Reese commits a pretty – she didn't need to make the foul, but she did, and it was a clear foul, and she fouls out of the game, and that basically – that ended it. Haley makes the one shot to tie the game, and then they don't score again, and, and that's – it's curtains. Like, she cannot carry a team like that on her own. She's just not good enough. Like she, And now I, I honestly think that playing at LSU and getting exposed a little bit, like, she's not on any like big-time WNBA draft boards anymore. I saw ESPN rank the 25 best players in college basketball. She's not even on that list anymore. Yeah. So, you know, great call, Dad. Boom. <laughs> I don't feel that sorry for you. I'm sorry. I just don't. I agree. And I, I hate mean, Kim Mulkey. No, you're right. You're right. And Kim Mulkey's the worst. She's, Kim Cruella, sucks. she's Cruella, Cruella DeVille. She's the worst. I, there's no part of me that, that feels sorry for them whenever they lose. And I believe they've now lost 15 straight to South Carolina, which, yeesh. yeah, yeesh, indeed. The third, uh, their third loss of the season, they've probably lost a shot at it being a one seed. If they win out and maybe some things happen, um, yeah, maybe they could sneak up there. But, They've probably, you know, this team that was preseason number one, this dream team and getting even better after winning a national title last year, they're probably not even going to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, I'd love to knock them out. I think that'd be great. Yeah, that, that would oh, be fantastic. Oh, that would be wonderful. It'd be, it'd be great. And, you know, if the dad cries in the, in the crowd, then that, you know, it's a little icing on top. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. But that was the most notable game uh, last night. I say that at the end of yesterday's show, I was talking about how bad of a night it is in, in college basketball on the men's side and the only top 25 team that's playing is Arizona, and it's not even worth It's 11 o'clock against the worst team in the Pac-12 in Oregon State, and it's, it's on the Pac-12 network, which isn't even, isn't even a real TV station, so there's no point in even tracking this game. And it turns out it was a hell of a game. I, I didn't watch it because I don't have a fake TV channel like the Pac-12 network, but Oregon <laughs> State wins it at the buzzer, knocks off Arizona, uh, and Tommy Lloyd, who, you know, if you want to come coach our team, that's fine. I know Arizona's not great financially right now, but that was like, uh, the highlights were were pretty crazy. That was the only top 25 team in action last night, and they lost. The wild season of college hoops continues on the men's side. Uh, I did give out a few bets that I think two of the three that I gave out yesterday hit. So we're, we're still rolling. I threw two out of my own last night, hit both those. Still feeling good. Look at you. The college basketball gambling is just, it's going well. It's going very well. The only one that was was bad, I gave you Wagner uh, plus two. And they were up by three at half. And I'm like, boom, easy money. And they got destroyed the second half. They lost by like 16. So. Should never bet on a, a program that was coached by Mike Dean at one point, but that's what we did. Uh, we've got to, the, the big story of the day in our world is Josh Hurd talking to the media. There was a scheduled U of L Athletic Association board meeting. That in and of itself was nothing shocking. There was nothing really big there. But Josh Hurd comes out of the meeting, talks to the media a little bit, gives some some tidbits on some of the financial details surrounding the men's basketball program and also the football program. I tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into that. Uh, I want to get Rashawn's thoughts on all that, and then we want to hear from you guys on the Thornton's text line as well. Happy Friday to you. We got a big weekend ahead. We got a lot to cover. We got two and a half more hours to do it. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on the Big X.
the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Hope your weekends are already off and running. If you have a few more hours of work or an hour and a half of work, thanks so much for spending that time with us. And if you are headed home for the weekend, thanks for spending that time with us as well. Uh, wherever you are, we appreciate it. Rashawn Myers is in the house today. Follow him on Twitter at Rashawn. Uh, four A's. I always forget the the, the, the second there you go. Two in the front, two in the back. Two in the front, two in the back. That's, that's, that's the best possible <laughs> way to remember. Uh, we are here on a Friday. We'll be with you until 6 o'clock, getting ready for a massive weekend of not just Cardinal sports, but sports in general. Go Lions. We've got uh, news on the basketball side of things and really just news on the UofL side of things from today. Josh Hurd talked with the media for the first time since telling uh, WDRB's Eric Crawford back in December that Kenny Payne was going to continue as the program's coach into the new year. There was a U of L Athletic Association board meeting that was scheduled. It was expected. It wasn't just like, ooh, you know, people are going nuts this morning. I see all the the scuttle. There's a board meeting. There's a board meeting. <laughs> like, you know, what does it mean? Are we gonna have? <laughs> could we get Jay Wright in here by Saturday? Like, no, it's a, it, it's a scheduled thing. But you you had an ath- a board meeting that discussed, among other things, a two million dollar shortfall in men's basketball ticket sales. Yeesh. $2 million short of where you would expect to be when it comes to ticket sales. Not shocking, I guess. We know that they're losing money. You have to be when you have a 24,000-seat arena that typically in the past has has brought in, what, fifteen to 24,000 people per game, and now it's currently bringing in just over 6,000 per game. The good news is you've got the shortfall in basketball ticket revenue, but it's almost made up for entirely by football ticket sales that exceeded their optimistic projections for the first season under Jeff Brom. There was a the budget update that was provided by the board yesterday showed that ticket revenue has reached 99% of the budgeted amount. That's the good news. The bad news on the on the football side of things is and this is where it gets weird. They were so good this year that they caused some things to happen that cost them money. IE you had unbudgeted bonuses for coaches that were hitting incentives. Jeff Brom made a ton of extra money by winning 10 games in his first season, by going to the conference championship game. Now they did, UofL did take out an insurance policy that was basically, it's weird that you have to do this, but you have to take out an insurance policy in the event that football wins more than expected. They did that, and it ended up saving them $300,000. We also know that bowl games, a lot of times, they actually lose the athletic program's money that's especially true when you're playing a bowl game on the other side of the country, which UofL unfortunately had to do this year because FSU got left out of the playoff. The Holiday Bowl cost the UofL Athletic Department about $600,000. You've got I mean, you, you've got the cost of flying everybody out there. Every program who makes a bowl game has a lot, uh, an allotment of tickets that they have to buy. And look, it was a tough sell to a lot of UofL fans to right after Christmas or right before Christmas go across the country and go watch a team play in San Diego that you know was coming off of uh, of consecutive losses that had sort of dampened the spirit of the program just a little bit. Um, you also have inflation, which has caused travel costs to be $1.8 million over budget for all sports. So all that's going on right now. And it, look, it's only going to get worse. You, you toss in now, we're going to go across the country to play Stanford in multiple sports. We're going to play Cal in multiple sports. We have to play SMU, which is a little bit closer, but still not close. It's uh, it's a concern moving forward for sure. The one good thing that we have is, thank God, we've got football, and the season tickets are going to be even better this next year. But Josh Hurd, uh, more pertinent to our interest here, like the money talk is important,
But I get that it, us as sports fans, like we want to know more about just like the wins and the losses. When is this basketball program going to get back to being good? When can this get back to being fun again? And Josh Hurd did address the issue of the men's basketball program straight up. And this is the first time we've heard him talk about this in, in really a month. And here's what he had to say. You know, how are your interactions with Kenny through the season and what's your guys' communication like as they go through this? Yeah, I, you know, continuing to try to communicate and say, hey, what can we, what can we all do individually or collectively uh, to get this program where we all expect it to be? Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I'm well aware uh, that this, this program, this fan base isn't into moral victories. Uh, and so we, after every game, I feel like every day, I, it's, it, it's consuming what I'm doing right now. And I know it's consuming Kenny and his staff as far as how do we get better? Uh, how does this basketball program get back to where we all expect it to be? And that expectation is a high bar, uh, but nobody's going to run from that. And we're going to do everything we can uh, to get this program back where we all want and expect it to be. To me, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Rashawn, <laughs> the most notable portion of that exchange is when he talks about how it's consuming for him. Because if he weren't actively thinking about making a move, and what needs to happen next? If it was, if this were one of those, I've got all the confidence in the world and Kenny to get it done and get it year three, then this isn't really consuming for him. Like, like he's he doesn't have to do that much, right? You sit back and you you take everything into account and you watch the games. But consuming to me, when he talks about every single day, I'm doing something with this. To me, that means he's probably having some talks. He's probably talking to to, to boosters. He's talking to you know people in the in the fan base. He's talking to other athletic directors across the country. He's maybe having some preliminary talks with some coaches' agents that are out there because he very quickly goes like, "I know it's consuming for Kenny as well to try to get to, to get better." But to me, it just goes to show that he's very aware of the situation. It's the latest piece of evidence of that. He knows that the fan base isn't isn't thrilled with the way that things are going right now, and I think he knows that if something doesn't dramatically change over the course of the next six weeks, that he's it's on him to get this thing done and make whatever move needs to be made to get this program headed back in the direction that we all expect it to be. Yeah, the first thing that I just noticed is how much older Josh Hurd looks. He looks like this basketball season <laughs> and this basketball team is just aging him. He looks like he's about 50 years old. It's like presidents 50, when they talk about how, yes. how different they look after four years. Yes. That's Josh right now. I'm telling you, like he looks a lot older and like just worn worn down by everything that's going on. But no, I, I, it's funny because different people will hear different things, whatever they want to hear. Uh, you know, when these things come out, you know, both with just the financial numbers as well as what Josh had to say. And, like, to me, I, I agree with you. It seems like this is very much – he's having a lot of talks with a lot of people. And I think those are people inside the program. I think it has to do with the the basketball program staff and management as well as people outside the program, you know, trying to figure out what the best move is if he does indeed need to make a move. And, and I think it's something that – he is trying to handle a lot of political juggling while doing all of this. Like it, to me, it just seems like he's a guy who's being pulled in a lot of different directions. But the thing that I like about it is it definitely seems like this is not, this is not the face of a dude who's just got, you know, I got Ken, Kenny's, you know, I believe Kenny's still the guy. I believe he's going to get it done. And we're just trying to work out to see how he can continue to make this thing better. Like that's not what I got from what he said, if that makes sense. So it definitely at least looks like a guy who is seriously considering what's best for the University of Louisville and not what's best for the current basketball staff, if that I, makes sense. No, for sure. 
and, and I think he's tried to make sure that that's known a couple of times now. If you listen to the audio from the Eric Crawford back and forth back in December, when you know, the primary message that everybody took away, the only major takeaway was Kenny Payne's not getting fired before the new year. And that, you know, everybody goes nuts and, that, and everybody talks about it. He made it a point to drive home several times. Like, I'm not happy with this. I, I realize that nobody's happy with this. This won't continue if things don't change. Like, that was very much his tone, which is appreciated. I think it would have been more appreciated to make a move, but that's that, that's just me. <laughs> he, he definitely is trying to, to let it be known that, like, he's not going to stand for this unless something crazy happens. Yeah. And you, you have to hold it to him. I mean, because, you know, if we end up going 10 and 22 or 10 and 20, whatever it would be, and we don't make a change, it's like, all right, well, we, we kind of take whatever you say at face value now, and I'm not really buying what you're selling anymore. The easiest thing in the world for Josh, and I, I do feel for him on this front, it would have been it would have made his job a billion times easier if Kenny had just had some success at the beginning, right? Because, like you said, you've got some wealthy people that wanted Kenny Payne to be the head coach here, that, that liked Kenny Payne a lot, that were throwing their weight around to make sure that he was hired, and who still want him to be around moving forward. You've got a, a fan base that was very much, I mean, not very much, not as much divided as they are right now, but a little bit divided when Payne was hired, who you wanted them to be brought together with winning, the one thing that we all want. And not only has that not happened over the last couple of years, it's been so bad that there's not really a defense to be offered. Like, like There's no, at least right now, maybe they can get on a run, maybe they can do something different, but at least right now, with what has happened on the court and with the things that have not happened off the court in recruiting and some of the communication missteps. and, and It's been an abject failure to the point where it's really, really hard to make a case for Kenny Payne to have a third year. And I'm, I'm not saying that as personal opinion. I'm Objectively, it's very, very t- – people are doing it, but it's very, very tough to make a case that Kenny Payne deserves a third year. And that really forces Josh's hand. I, I mean – he had just started a search this time three years ago. I think three years ago yesterday yeah. was the Chris Mack parting of ways. And like he was kind of starting that search. In the meantime, he was hoping Mike Pagese was going to have a good season and make the most of it. But I'm sure that he wasn't thinking 24 months ago, hey, I can't wait to do this again in two years. I'm sure he thought he had like five years uh, whether things went, went swimmingly or, or went just kind of okay where he could sit back and, and hope that Kenny Payne was going to get the job done. And now already his hand's being forced, and I'm sure he's doing some of the same things that he was doing two years ago as the interim AD. I, I, like, I, I know it's his job. I know he's paid pretty well to do it, but I do feel for Josh. It feels like he hasn't ever had a chance to kind of tackle some of those intermediary things, some, some of those things that are off the beaten path because this has been his focus. It's, it's either been this or hiring a football coach. There's always been something going on with those two spotlight programs ever since he stepped into this position. Yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, can I just like do like fundraising and yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Can I do any, any of that? Like, why am I always just under the gun like all the time? So, I mean, yeah. Tom had a, yeah, several years here where things were just kind of going well. I know he was doing stuff during that time, but you know, he, he got to enjoy the, the the fun aspects of being the most powerful person in, in the U of L athletic department. And uh, I feel like Josh has never really had a moment where he he's kind of been able of to just kick back and, yes, and just no. enjoy the job for at least you know five hours or something. It's always been something which is wild. Now, the other part of his quote, when he talked about the overall athletic department, he went ahead, he announced some figures, they dove into the stuff, stuff that we were just talking about. He said, I think the department is healthy. You know, obviously from a budgeting standpoint, we were pretty aggressive on the football side of things. We thought we would see an uptick in sales there, and we did. On the basketball side, 
we knew that this was going to be another rebuilding year. Mm. So we were pretty conservative on our budgeting there, but we're not going to meet expe- the expectations we had there. Obviously, as I say, a budget is a guess, so we try the best to guess the best that we can, but we've got some opportunity in both of those sports to increase revenue in the years to come, so that's what we're going to try to do. I mean, you guys weren't selling during the offseason that you knew it was going to be another rebuilding year. Didn't hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the, the, the one thing that I'll say. Uh, yeah, not crazy about that statement, but I understand. They were right. They, you know, they guessed they were going to have need to have some additional funding. They needed it. I, I saw one of their salesperson too, and in, 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 I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he was talking about how like basketball is a tough sell right now. Gifts are down. The money in the program is down. It's it's why I, I kind of laugh when I hear things like you know so and so is going to take their money away from the, the basketball program if Kenny Payne doesn't get a third year. Money's already going out of the program from everybody. And even if we were just swimming in money, who cares when you're going four and twenty-eight and, and six and whatever right now? Like the, the the point of the sport, the point of this whole thing is to win, is to have fun. Nobody's having fun right now. Nobody's happy right now, and nobody's winning right now. So if we could do this without any money in the program, I, I think that every U of L fan would would choose that. Like we just want it. We want whatever road takes us back to U of L men's basketball being among the best in the sport again. Don't care how it happens. Don't care what we have to do to get there. Let's. That's the road that we want to be on. We're all on the same page, I think, when it comes to that. And my guess, my pick, is to move on without Kenny Payne in about six weeks. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's tough. The whole thing has been tough from the beginning. It's just funny that like people are saying, "Man, listen to how horrible the you know horribly the basketball program's losing money." We have to keep Kenny because we don't have any money to get rid of him. Yeah. I'm like, that's not, come on, guys. that just doesn't make any sense. It's like so lose money for another full year before you do something. That's I, I just I don't. It's just funny just looking at the response. I almost like looking at the replies on Twitter. And just going down that just to see how, you know, everybody kind of gets to their corners and can hear whatever they want to hear, regardless of what's going on. That's just always been the funniest thing to me. You're right. I mean, it's we are consistently in the spin zone, it it feels like. And I I just I don't know. I I don't know how you can sound like a broken man, Mike. I I am a little bit (laughs) like I, I went on the you know, we were talking about the possibility earlier this week of a third year of KP and like uh, if if he's if I had any inkling if I had any thought that he was going to win at a high level in year 3 I'd be like okay I'm open to it and obviously if it happens I'll be thrilled but if we bring him back and it's another year of hey losing by 14 against duke is actually okay I I can't do that I I, I can't I mean I I've I'm at the end I'm at my wits end after 3 years of this cuz we were having the same types of conversations near the end of the of the Chris Mack, Mike Pegues season. We were get, we were losing a lot of games, and a handful of those those games we just weren't remotely competitive. Yeah, and at least then it was like okay, like we we know we know what's coming after this. We know we're going to get to get a new head coach. We think it's going to be a brighter future. The NCAA stuff will come to an end. Like now, I just it's been two years that you thought were going to be bad going into them that have been inexplicably bad. So much to the point where the games just. They're, they're secondary. I mean, you know, 
we're not going to do a whole lot of breaking down Virginia today. We'll do, we'll do a little bit, but darn! If you beat Virginia at home, it changes really nothing. Like you'll you'll go from two thirty four in the net rankings to like two twenty seven. You're not going to get on the right side of the bubble by beating this Virginia team at home, and you're probably not going to save Kenny Payne's job just by beating Virginia at home. So the games have become kind of a, a of secondary importance to a lot of people, which sucks. I, I never thought we would get to that point. I always thought that the season would be the season, and late January actual basketball conversation would dominate the discourse here in the city of Louisville because that's the way it's always been. And instead, it's just like, you know, hey, man, they're playing hard. I'm like, it's, it, we're almost through year two. At what point does that stop being the oh rallying God, cry? The playing hard thing. It's just like, well, they didn't give up. It's they like, should have been playing hard for the red-white <laughs> scrimmage two years ago on. That should, have been, that should have been the moment that that bar was cleared, and we should have never had to have talked about it again. Well, first of all, with NIL being a thing now, like – the whole playing hard thing, it's like, yeah, they're being paid to play hard. Like, that's true. That is a very fair point. <laughs> that's, I don't really want to hear, like, I expect for you to play hard, you know, because you, these guys have, you know, some nice deals and they get to drive nice cars and they do all that stuff. You know, when you are a University of Louisville basketball player, you know, and you're a, a top-level elite type of program player you should be playing hard because you're getting compensated very nicely outside of you know all, all of the the perks that you get for being a, a student athlete already so yeah I, I expect you to play hard that doesn't that doesn't give me anything honestly it's it's hurdle one of dozens of hurdles to do this job and I it, it's the one it's one of like three or four bars that we felt would have been cleared in year one under Kenny Payne regardless of the the roster and regardless of who you hired if you hire a new head coach you expect a couple of things, even if they're walking into a terrible situation. Even if we had been banned from the postseason last year or like weren't allowed to play on TV or whatever, you would say with a new head coach, you want to see the team play hard. You want to see that he can motivate them in that way. You want to see a system that can work when you do get better pieces in play down the line. And like, if you don't see those two things, then it's two gigantic red flags, and we never saw that last year. The effort level waned insanely through the entire year. The system was kind of impossible to discern like you know i i still am, am, am can, uh, a little bit uh confused on what we try to do defensively a lot of times i feel like it's just kind of like hey maybe their arms will get tired um <laughs> that's the defense that we we play and we're, we're sitting here in in we're sitting here in late january of year two giving credit for things that should have been tackled in early november of 2022 and it just again like i, I if we try to do it in year three, then there's there's just nothing else to be said. Now, one last quote from Josh Hurd. He was asked straight up if the basketball players might feel additional pressure to win games because of all the speculation about Kenny Payne's future. And Hurd said, I think we as administrators and coaches, as coaches, as fans, we tend to overestimate how much these guys think about things. I'm not trying to minimize everything around them, but they're college students. At the end of the day, they're students, they go to class, they play basketball, they have a personal life, all those things. So as much as we possibly can, we try to make sure that none of this gets put on their plate. And for the most part, it's not on their plate. I mean, they're here to play basketball for the University of Louisville. They're trying to do everything that they can for this program to be successful. Is it there? Absolutely, it's there. But they, but do they feel a weight of, hey, if I don't win this this game or that game, I don't think they feel that any more than they, they would any other season, quite honestly. I, I mean... I kind of buy that. I, I I do think that when, like we we always think these things, and then every now and then, more so back in the day than I do now, 
I would have a conversation with one of the players, and you realize, like, oh, it's not really. It's it like they're kids, right? Right. The way that we think is so different from the way that they think. I, I, I'm sure that they're well aware that people want their head coach fired. I'm sure they're they're well aware that the fan base is not excited about the team being six and thirteen. But at the end of the day, like they're focused on their individual goals. They're focused on like being in the moment. Like I don't think that they're going out there and being like, hey, I I, I wonder what the the radio dudes are going to say about us losing by six to NC State, but playing really hard. Like I, I don't think that that's ever on any of these players' minds. No, 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 no. I, I think that you know the one thing that has not changed about college athletes. I don't care if it was the nineteen seventies, eighties, up to it is now. The kids are much more worried and invested in you know what can do I need to do to get in and you know to complete my aspirations to get where I want to get to, whether it be the NBA. Uh, you know, whether it is, you know, going to school to get, you know, your, your your degree or whatever. I know that's crazy, but, you know, these kids are more worried about how is this going to affect me or what do I need to do to put myself in the best position possible? And especially now with, you know, the age of NIL and the transfer portal. I mean, I think it's even more about themselves than anything. I mean, because, heck, kids can now leave coaches high and dry to look for the, you know, the next best opportunity anyway. So I think it even falls on them less. I think they're much more invested in themselves more than any program, uh, much more these days. But I think it's always been, you know, kids have always been more worried about themselves than anything else. I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I, I do think that the best coaches in college basketball have always not this isn't a new thing but it's especially evident now have always been able to find the right combination of doing what's best for your or convincing the kids that doing what's best for the team is also the best thing yeah. for yourself as, as much as we like to rag on him John Calipari's had more success with with freshman superstars than anybody else because he's done the best job at being like I'm going to make you a first round pick and I'm I you don't have to do it by taking 20 shots a game. The best thing for you is to be part of the super team that gets a lot of national attention, mm-hmm. that plays deep into the NCAA tournament. I mean, my God, how many times have you heard about how little Anthony Davis shot the ball during his one season at UK? Like That became a rallying cry for the entire program. He was only fourth on the team in shots attempted, and he was the number one pick, and, all, and he's been an NBA superstar and all this stuff. But it's, it's valid. It, it's a valid point. And, I, I mean, Patina was very good, too, at saying, you know, if we go deep in the NCAA tournament, it's only going to help your draft stock. You're going to have more attention on you. People are going to focus on you more. All that good stuff. And I, I think you're still seeing the best coaches are the ones who are able to convince their players of this. Now, it's tougher to do now because if a kid comes in as a high-profile freshman and doesn't play a ton, like it's so much easier for them to leave, and they're going to get pursued by a number of other high-profile schools that maybe are going to offer them more NIL, that are going to offer them starting spots, and they're going to say, hey, you'd be in the NBA already if you'd come and played for us last year. And there are some kids who don't really care about having a ton of success at the college level and who, you know, if they're going to score 23 points per game on a team that wins eight times, they're fine with that as long as they're going to be a first or second round draft pick. And it's it's difficult to reach those kids, I think, in this day and age, but you're going to continue to see the same the same thing we've always seen, which is the coaches who are the best at that, who are the best at, best at installing their culture, getting teams with a bunch of different pieces to come together and be this cohesive unit, they're going to be the ones that continue to thrive in this new era of college basketball. I mean, you're already seeing it with, I mean, look, Rick Pitino has jumped head first into NIL. He's talked about how we, like, it's a great thing. We can go out there and we can get players that Kentucky 
would always get in the transfer portal. Like, we can get those guys now because we can have as much money as they do to offer those kids. And you know, you're seeing his his team, he had to go out and get like 10 different players, and he only brought two scholarship guys back from last year's St. John's squad. And you know they're not national title good, but in a limited amount of time, throwing that group together, they're they're probably going to make the NCAA tournament. And they're right there in the, in the heart of the Big East race. How and, can that be, Mike? It takes five years to rebuild a program. What because it doesn't about? take five years to, to do it anymore. <laughs> and I, if anybody – the slow build is just the, the talk is just going to drive me crazy. It's not two thousand three anymore. It, it's just it, it it's not, which is why I do like I like Josh a lot, and I know he has to say what he has to say to support his coach until it's time to to move on. But saying that like we all knew it was going to be another rebuilding year, we did, but it didn't have to be. <laughs> There's no reason for us to all know that going into year two because we're seeing it across the country. Guys are going out there, they're reworking their rosters, and if you've got the goods. I'm not saying you can be national title good or Final Four good in the snap of a finger, but my goodness, you can definitely be NCAA tournament good Florida in the Atlantic snap of a finger. In Florida Atlantic, that's why, especially with your point about people taking away their money, I'm pretty sure that whatever funds Louisville has for their basketball program, it'll still far exceed whatever Florida Atlantic has. So if Florida Atlantic can put together a roster um, and get to a Final Four, then I'm pretty sure that Louisville will be okay. All these schools that we're talking about, I mean, the, the the shining example that, that we always bring up. It, well, you had Kansas State last year, but before that, you had Iowa State, who won. They won two games. Yeah, and they hire a new coach. He gets a bunch of guys from the portal. He knows what he's doing. They go to the Sweet Sixteen the next year. They're a six seed the year after that. They're primed to be a top four seed this year. They're number twelve on Ken Palm right now. That's, I mean, that's very quick. And it's Iowa State. They don't have the types of built-in advantages that we do in this day and age. There's no excuse if you hire the right coach to not have things turned around relatively quickly. If we hire the right guy in less than two months, hopefully, I don't know if they're going to try to wait around for the $2 million buyout to drop in, in on March 31st. I don't think they can, which is why I think this whole thing is uh, about saving money is, is kind of silly. You, if, you, if you're out, if your season's over on March 14th, the portal's opening up a day later, you, gotta hi- you have to have a coach in, in place by then, you, you, or at least you have to have that process going by then. If you hire the right guy, I see no reason why we shouldn't be at least an above 500 team next year. I don't think, I mean, it doesn't have to be this this slow build. We should be an exciting team to watch. We should play a fun brand of basketball. And we should be winning more than we are right now. I think that's the bare minimum for whoever is the, is the coach for next season. And I'm going to stand by that. Like I, I will hold that person to that regardless of what the roster looks like. They should be able to win more next year then we've won these two seasons because the best coaches in college basketball are getting it done on uh, in a relatively quick turn. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We're going to turn things over to you guys after the break. Whatever is on your mind, if you've got football thoughts, basketball thoughts, NFL thoughts, please, 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 send those over. 502-414-1450. We'll tackle those coming up in hour number two. It's the Mike Rutherford Show with Rashawn Myers here in studio on a Friday on 1450 The Big X.
Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 96 The Big X. <laughs> there. Rashawn Myers with me in studio here on a Friday. We're going to turn things over to the Thornton text line in just a bit. I, I did want to say that because invariably, Rashawn, the text line, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about NHL hockey. <laughs> They're going to turn things to the coaching search on the basketball side of things. They're going to have questions. So before they, they do that, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make a prediction about one thing that's going to happen in the coming weeks in regards to Louisville's coaching search, yes. which isn't isn't technically a thing yet, but we're still talking about it ad nauseum. I told you exactly what was going to happen with the Bruce Pearl. If you were listening to the show a couple years ago, I called the Bruce Pearl thing a mile away. He's going to use Louisville. Uh, we're, we're not even reaching out to this guy. He's going to go to his dude in, in Auburn media. He's going to write something about Louisville being a, being a candidate and all this stuff because he needs a raise because he's, he's got a crap deal coming off of the, all the NCAA violations. He wants more money in a similar vein. And I'm not even saying that he's not a candidate. Or that there's not going to be a back and forth. And maybe there already has been a back and forth between this person and the University of Louisville. But I talked yesterday about how I watched Arkansas play Ole Miss. And they looked atrocious. They're having a disastrous season. And I've noticed in the last like week or so, I'm having more and more people reach out and be like, is it true that there is significant buzz between Eric Musselman and Louisville? <laughs> There's a, a, a people are doing this where it's like I'm hearing like I'm hearing Josh has his eyes on on Musselman a little bit like like he's he's jumping up the boards. This is going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening to where if it hasn't already, it's going to be like a mainstream thing where somebody writes or somebody tweets or somebody says there's palpable buzz between Louisville and Eric Musselman because. Eric Musselman's getting raked over the coals down there in Fayetteville right now. You've got a lot of people who are saying that the whole transfer portal thing, it worked great for the last three years, but it's very clear if you don't assemble the perfect roster, don't get the right guys, and now in this new NIL world, Musselman just can't win. And he's having like not just a bad season, but a disastrous season. And so Mus is going to do the thing where it's like, and I'm not saying he's not even interested in the Louisville job, but he's also going to put it out there where, hey, if you're not happy with me, just know a program that's won more than you historically, that has more money than you, that's just been better than you historically, they like me a little bit. Try to bolster <laughs> that profile. He, like Something will leak in the next week and a half if, if Arkansas, especially if they keep losing, if they get hammered by Kentucky this weekend, it's like Goodman or somebody's going to tweet out like hearing things about Musselman and Louisville. Truly Donovan maybe throws that out there. Like They're going to start putting that up. That, that, write this down, circle that. That's going to take place over the next two weeks. Calling it. You know, it's, it's. I wonder. Can you do that with everything? Like, if if you, you know, if your your spouse was getting on your nerves, you'd be like, you know. <laughs> Did you see who liked my picture on Instagram the other day? If you if you don't, you know, if you don't appreciate me, you know, say I didn't take out the trash. You know, there's people with you know other assets that may appreciate me more. Lauren's nil is off the charts. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> Her husband never does anything. Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I mean, but no, you're absolutely right. It's absolutely going to happen. That's one of the reasons why I'm actually okay with Kenny just keeping the job because I think that it causes more of that. 
Like if Louisville already, if they would have fired him, um, you mean for the end of the season? Yes, before just the end to of the clarify. Season. Yes, before the end of the season. Um, just because I think that Louisville would be utilized as that type of tool a lot more if the job was open. You're probably right, and we would get more of that. So that's one of the the kind of sidebar things to where I am actually okay with Kenny. And that, the other reason is just because I don't want Kenny to get fired, and let's say they just allow Nolan to take over, and then you know they win. You know, they go 500 in, in February, mm-hmm. and then they're like, you know what, let's just go ahead and just keep Nolan. He was the guy that we knew was going to take over at some point. You know, it just so it just eliminates all of that. Just let Kenny ride the thing out to the end of the year. Then everybody can just pack up and move on, and then Louisville can just go from there. I, I also I, I do love that players – I think the new thing that we're seeing is – players are doing the same thing that coaches have done for years, where it's like, hey, somebody wants me. Like, do you remember – Back in late November, when Jordan Watkins, who was here and then transferred to Ole Miss, you know, he came to like the U of L UK game. He's hanging out with Jack Harlow. He's tweeting out the eyeball emoji. He's like, hmm, I don't know. Like that, that's how players are going to get more nil because Ole Miss comes to him with the bag and they're like, we want you back. Here's a little bit of an up and let's sweeten the deal a little bit. I saw Trevion Cooley do the same thing where he tweeted out an image of him scoring in a Louisville uniform and just puts the eyeball in the... Like, players are going to start doing oh, this. Oh, Isaiah this, 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 Wong. Isaiah yes, Wong. Yes, 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 exactly. He started that, you know? Like, after they brought over the kid from Kansas State, you know, and they announced, what was it, a million dollar, a $300,000 deal uh, to bring the kid over from... Uh, 250 per year, Nigel Pack. Yeah, Nigel Pack. And, and Isaiah's like, hold on. Well, he, he I'm not getting that. He wasn't even doing passive aggressive. He's like, I won't play for you if you don't up my money. He's like, you're going to tell me how much this kid's making. I know how much I'm making. I'm better than him. Uh, I want some more money. And then I did love like three hours later, very quietly. He's like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like takes the tweets down. You know, the, the Ruiz came to him and was like, hey, we, 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 we'll make this happen. Just stop talking. And he about went it, on please. to become ACC Player of the Year. He did. And they went to the Final Four. So Look. Like, it was worth money it. well spent. They they'd never been to a an elite eight a couple of years ago. They've now been to a, three straight second weekends. They went to an elite eight for the first time. They went to a final four for the first time. Um, they're the NIL team. They're the face of NIL, no question about it. But now they kind of suck. So there's, <laughs> there's that as well. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty to Thornton's text line. Let's take some text from you guys. Here we go. Let's make it happen. Texas Mike and Rashawn. I know that there are some important people with money that want KP as the coach, but why him specifically? There has to be other reasons than he was a Denny guy. What am I missing that any coach winning 10 games in a season and a half is allowed to remain on the sidelines? If there was, in fact, a plan for an interim coach, why was he retained and so fiercely defended? I mean, I, I think there's been this, this kind of band of brothers situation from that group of players in that formative era of Louisville basketball where, where we went from historically good program to now powerhouse, blue blood, whatever you want to call it, that... I think it started when you had the Jurich Crum fight. Mm-hmm. They felt like it was, and a lot of fans were on their side at the time. They felt like it was ridiculous that the guy who basically took this program to unprecedented heights could ever be forced out. And again, like we looked at, I mean, you know, when you and I were experiencing the late 90s and the early 2000s. It was like the worst thing ever, right? Like, Oh, yeah. I was a young punk that was like, yeah, Denny got to go sit down somewhere. Same way. Me too. <laughs> like, I'm like, we're only a six seed and only going to sweet 16s. This is awful. And you look at it now and you're like, yeah, we probably <laughs> It's like, I'd kill to be a seven seed playing Gonzaga in the first round right now. This, that, that, that would be great. So it was bad relative to our standards, but it you know, it, it wasn't atrocious. Like, if you wanted to give Denny the benefit of the doubt and say, look, the, the man, he had a terrible year in, in – 
2000, 2001, but the year before he went to the NCAA tournament, he'd been to two straight NCAA tournaments. Like it, but, but Tom was like, no, this, we've fallen off. We're not going in the right direction. We've got to get somebody in here that can come and win national titles. And he called a shot with Rick Pitino, but it pissed off a lot of the Denny's players. And it formed this gigantic rift between them and the university. And, and then Rick came here. They were not welcoming at all. <clears throat> and I think that you know, people always talk about why was there such a divide between Rick and the old players. It's because in Rick's eyes, and you can understand both sides, in, in Rick's eyes, look, I'm a, I'm a future Hall of Famer. I've won a national title. I took Kentucky from the lowest point it's been in the modern history of the program and had them back to being the face of college basketball in the snap of a finger. I took Providence to a Final Four, for God's sake. You should be falling all over yourself to hire me because I'm going to win games here at a level that you guys have not experienced in about 15 years. And so he's like, you know, you should be welcoming me with, with a crown. And a lot of people were. But the former players were not in that group. And so Rick, as he tends to do, is like, all right, if you're not going to be happy, if you're going to try to ice me out, <laughs> screw you. Like, you're not coming to practice. You're not doing anything. If you want Jerry Eves to be the head coach over me, you don't get a say in my program anymore. And it very much was that way between Rick and a lot of the players throughout the, the you know the, the tenure here. And a lot of those former players, while they couldn't really say anything when the program was winning at a high level, they didn't like the way that it was going. They still harbored some resentment for the way that Crum was, was forced out. And then when the scandals piled up, it became an easy rallying cry to say, you know, he sullied the reputation of this program that we fought so dearly to, to make ours. And then I think you saw them go all in and say, we need one of our own to make this thing back the way it was in the 1980s. And when, you, when you're that firm about something, when you're that strong-willed about something, it's tough to be like, okay, we're wrong. You know, we're we're going to back down. And so I think you're seeing a lot of people who just aren't going to be willing to back down from that stance. And, and I would just say, you know, for the texture that he said, why, why Kenny Payne? I mean, how many other candidates out there that would fit that profile profile are there? I mean, Everett Sullivan's not there yet. And Jerry Eves just, you know, we've seen what coach could do um, out there as a, as a, um, you know, as a, as a coach out there, he didn't have a great record. So, I mean, Kenny was the perfect candidate, you know, he had the, the longstanding tenure there at UK. He had a lot of the buzz. He had a lot of the hype. So, I mean, he was the perfect candidate for the players to all kind of rally and get behind. So I, I, I do agree that I think there was a lot of pressure on him, Kenny himself to take this job uh, from a lot of his friends and uh, former players and teammates so uh you know I, I think that's why it was kenny and you know unfortunately has not worked out well for uh any involved yeah i, I mean I, I get why he was the anointed one but at some point if there's a good thing and i remember having this conversation two years ago if there's a good thing about going through what we've gone through right now it's that we don't have to hear this again like yeah we don't have to hear the you got to have somebody who played. You got to have one of us. You got like we we tried it your way, and it didn't work. And now we can go back to doing things the normal way. We we can go back to getting coaches that have proven themselves as head coaches, and, and we don't have to hear like all this just you know these people trying to hold the program hostage. Like just cheer for the program. Just just support the program. Support what's best here. I don't want. And look, I respect the hell out of the players that have put the the blood, sweat, and tears into this thing and made it what it is today and made it something that I just, I've always loved my entire life. But when you're saying things like, if you don't hire Kenny Payne, or I won't cheer for Louisville anymore. Or if you say, like, you know, if we fire Kenny Payne, I won't cheer for Louisville anymore. Like, 
I just can't pull my name out of the rafters. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I, I can't understand that. I mean, I respect the hell out of Daryl Griffith, who you know very clearly was the player under Denny Crum, and you know had an insanely tight relationship with Crum until the day that he died. Crum, not Griff, and had to have been hurt that Crum was forced out. Had to have been hurt that Rick Pitino got the job. He was at every game. He still is. He always going to games. Very visible. Very supportive of Louisville basketball, regardless of who the head coach is. Like you may harbor some resentment, and that's fine. I totally get that. I I understand that. But you should never let it get to the point where you're just not supporting this program at all, and where it's got to be your way. And if you do support the program and you do want what's best for it, like how can you be sitting back and saying that going ten and forty one at this point is at all acceptable? I just I I can't I, I can't put myself in that headspace at all. Texture says. Don't waste your time breaking down the game. Spend the next three hours talking about Megan the Stallion's diss track towards Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I haven't heard it. I've seen it going all over Twitter. I've seen all the the, the trending topics. Yeah, really. I, you're more hip than I am because I had no idea. Is hip still a word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're both old. <laughs> I have seen reference to a good foot. I think it's the oh, is, wow. is the lyric that's right. going around there. Yeah, okay. it's, it, it, it's all happening. Real quick before we go back to the text line, I haven't had a chance to get your thoughts on. Because you know, we talked last Friday before Louisville went out and got just blasted by Wake Forest on Saturday. Let them just catch and shoot for 40 straight minutes, and, and then beat uh, lost to Duke by 14 on Tuesday. And had you know people saying, "Well, you know, they they, they competed, they tried hard." A- have you seen anything in these last two games that just changed your outlook on this season or Kenny Payne or anything in general? Everything for me is like my eyes i i consider myself to be a pretty decent um judge of basketball just on the court and judging and trusting what i'm seeing and my analysis of what i thought it was last year just in terms of a team that was ill prepared and just um didn't really have any sort of cohesive uh game plan defensively um, that's what I thought it was last year, and I thought that this year was going to be a lot along the same lines because of that same type of situation. And it's pretty much worked out like that, uh, you know. And I credit Kenny for at least finding some player, some better players, uh, and some guys that were able to come out there and kind of self starters. Uh, the, you know, the motor that a guy like Mike James has, who was already in the program, the motor of a guy like Tyler Johnson finding a talent in Curtis Williams. I give him credit for that, but. Still, at the end of the day, the core issue remains, which is no cohesive defensive strategy. There's no type of cohesive defensive game plan. And, it, you know, those are things that have to be drilled in during the offseason. And I thought that this team was going to not have that um, this year, just like they didn't have it before last year. I feel like this Louisville team and last year's Louisville team both lost for, you know, lost games for the season in the preseason because they weren't prepared the right way. I just don't think that this coaching staff really knows how to prepare a team from a defensive standpoint to be successful. And that type of thing you really can't fix during the season. So unfortunately, nothing has changed. I mean, I I like the talent of Sky Clark. I I love what Kenny has done with um, uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield specifically uh, and personally, but because of this defensive, I mean, Mike, I looked up the numbers. Uh, Louisville finished last year 355th in uh, effective defense, um, and this year they're at 305th, so uh, 306th. So, I mean, they're still outside of the top 300 in uh, effective uh, defense, and you just can't 
<laughs> you can't win. You're never going to win like that. I don't care how good offensively your guys are. You're just never going to be able to be successful when you just don't play any defense unless you have, you know, I don't know, uh, Loyola Marymount out there and you're able to put up 100 mm-hmm. points a night. You just can't win the way Kenny's trying to win. And unfortunately, I don't think that's going to change regardless of how many years he gets unless he decides, you know what, maybe I don't have the best coaching staff in America and I brought in like a defensive coordinator or something like that. But Kenny you know, was very staunch in saying that he felt he had the best coaching staff in the country. I don't think he would ever be willing to admit that he doesn't have what he needs right here right now. I think it's well said. And I totally agree. It's why I don't get excited. You're talking about being stressed out, and and there's like there was no part of me that got excited when they cut the lead to five against Duke. I was excited because they were playing well. I had no faith in their ability to win the game because I knew they weren't going to get the stops necessary to make it happen. Like they just, I hate glossing over things like the offensive improvement and things like the effort level increasing, and I think the energy level on the bench increasing because those things are happening. It's absolutely true. If you say that, it's not just a, a, a false observation. It's a real thing that's taking place. But none of it outweighs the negative of just not being able to defend anybody. I think they'll beat some bad teams in February because they, they'll they play hard and they, because they have talent and because they are playing better offensively. And those bad teams will just miss a ton of wide-open shots. We're never going to beat anybody of any consequence. Yeah playing this type of defense. Like, I, I don't think, and I know we got the Miami win on the road, I don't think Miami's going to the NCAA tournament. Like, they have looked really, really bad since then. They got a must-have win the other night, but they still are, they're 64th on Ken Palm. They've got six losses. They don't have a real big non-conference win outside of beating Kansas State, who also might not go to the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm not sure that we're going to have a win over an NCAA tournament team this year, which would be, what, the the second third straight year that we haven't beaten an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we did in the last year under Mac. It's uh, and that's a wild thing to say. They just, again, talking about things like effort and competing and not giving up. They're not invalid points. They just shouldn't be talked about as if they outweigh the fact that we're losing by 14 when you're more than halfway through a new head coach's second season. Like, I'm just sick of talking about them. At what point does that not matter? You know, it's great that they're trying. It's better than the alternative, but we're talking about the alternative of bad being abysmal. Bad's still bad. Yeah. Just because it's better than abysmal doesn't mean that it's good. It's still bad. Well, I mean, you put, just look at it like this. Louisville was the worst defensive team in the Power Five last year. This year, they're the second worst defensive team in the power in the Power Six, and the only team that's worse than them is DePaul. DePaul. Who beat us by seven and fired their coach. They did. <laughs> so I mean, that that tells you like Louisville has not gotten any better defensively. Like I said, I just think that the talent is a bit better. The reason they're able to score like that against good teams like Duke and North Carolina is because these kids do have talent, and that's they do. proof that they have talent. They have good players, but it takes game planning, coaching, and you know that that whole that that the coach is what pulls all that together. We have you know very nice raw material to work with, but nothing's being done with it. I think that you talk about like like knowing ball and there's been this whole debate about the talent level the last couple of years. And I think you can say the talent level isn't where it should be here right now and that be true. But if you watch this team for stretches against any of the better teams they played this year, whether it's Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, you can't sit there and tell me that there's not enough talent on this team 
to at least be competitive this season, to at least be in the mix for an NCAA tournament berth. Like Sky Clark can play for ninety-five school percent of schools in, in Division One. Brent Halley Halfield can play for anybody. I think. Uh, you know, Trey White, for all of his issues this season, was all Pac-12 freshman last year for a team that that made the NCAA tournament easily at USC. Mike James could play for just about anybody. Our freshmen were were top 100 freshmen. Like we've you've got guys that are not just Division One players, but who could be good Division One players. And the fact that we haven't been able to take that and mold it into anything resembling a competitor is, you know, where do you point the finger? There's only one place to point it, and it's the guy who's who's in control of that thing. And again, it's, at some point, it's not just about the players. It's just it's just not like you can't. We, we people tried to do it last year. They're trying to do it now, and at some point, it's an Occam's Razor situation. Like the the most logical explanation, the most easiest explanation is usually the right one. Texture says, "I'm a if it's a Lions Ravens Super Bowl, and the Ravens won, would it give you any solace knowing that Lamar won a Super Bowl?" As a Cowboys fan, my wife asked the same question at the beginning of the playoffs. For sure, absolutely. Like I, I would be crushed to see the Lions make a Super Bowl and not win it. But like I, I'm a Lamar guy. I, I love him. Like I, the Ravens are easily my second favorite team just because he's there and because I, I cheer so so hard for him and because I hate so much all the people who are like hey, he's just not not quarterbacky enough like just it's so obnoxious I would love to see him prove everybody wrong and do what he said he was going to do the night he was drafted and win a Super Bowl I just don't want it to come at the expense of my favorite team having said that I do think it would probably hurt more if like I was the fan of a franchise that had been always really really good but just had never gotten over that hump like we've if I was a Bills fan and you know, I've seen them go to these Super Bowls. I've seen them be so good recently, and just have all these excruciating losses. If they made the Super Bowl and lost to like my favorite player on the other side, like that would be, it'd be tough. Like this will still be tough, but my God, like the Lions, we've we've won more playoff games in the last two weeks, twice as many than I had seen in my entire life up until this point. And I've never seen them play in a Super Bowl. I do feel like the the franchise is only going to get better moving forward. So there will still be brighter days ahead, even if we lose this game. I'll be I'll be very 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 sad, but it won't mean I won't like hate Lamar for it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm always gonna love Lamar. Like it will definitely be something that I I take solace in. You get upset and say he should have been a running back. <laughs> I don't. I just don't think he's smart enough to read the field. There's just something about him that I yeah. I mean, just become that bleeping guy. I want a quarterback who can control the game. Give me. I don't care if he lost by 45. Give me Jared Goff any day of the week. No, that's <laughs> that is not going to be what happens. I mean, I saw Lamar throw for I think sixteen thousand yards against the Lions back in October, so it would not be a shock if they did it again. I, I think you know the Lions. I think they have a fighting chance this weekend against San Francisco. I don't like their chances against either Mahomes or Lamar because our secondary is just it's bad. There's no way around it. it it's it's not just a weak point of the team. It's a bad secondary, and like Brock Purdy is he's not he's a system quarterback. He's not great. You can get by if you shut down McCaffrey and shut down some of the the weapons they have on the outside. You can you can get by because Purdy may not be able to beat you just with his arm, but you can't do that against Mahomes or or Lamar. And I think we've seen that. I know we beat the Chiefs in, in Week One, but no Kelsey, no other, some other guys, and it was Week One. It's been a long time. This is a different Mahomes, and it's uh, you know, Lamar. Like I said, I think he threw for like 600 yards against us. So we'll see. Just trying to just trying to stay positive. <laughs> just trying to stay positive. Like we've, we're already, we're playing with house money now. 
Texture says, Mike, I found a stray dog this morning. And while his owners, uh, I, mean, I can't read that. You guys, people are trying to trick me into saying things that I can't say on the show. And it's just kind of me. Like, you know, Scoots was like looking at the text yesterday and he's, he's like. And I have to go find that text just because. Of well, there's, I mean, I, like, I, I can't talk. I'll say it again. I can't talk about what's going on with Trevor. I can't, I, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I would love to, would love to yeah. discuss it. I can't say anything. And so now the text line just tries to, to get me to read texts that are presumably about something else. And then at the end, they bring it around to actually be about TK. And I can't. You know, they're trying to get me in trouble. Come on, Texters. Come on, Texters. Texas says, based off of Scoot's taste in books, he might like the puppy who lost his way. I heard it was good, but the ending isn't for everyone. Uh, yeah, so yesterday we were talking about having like a big X book club. I was talking about how I'm reading Play Their Hearts Out, which is a really, really good basketball book that's been out for a long time. I just had not had never read it. And I was like, yeah, he was like, if you have any books, I'm almost done with it. If you have any book suggestions, let us know. And then Scoots was saying that he was reading. I think a Jim Nance. He had a Jim Nance book and a Harry Potter. And then book. Uh, that's the his, only two books. His he only had. other book suggestions, if I didn't want the Jim Nance one, were just Harry Potter books. And I was like, <laughs> "Scoot, you're bringing nothing to the it's table." A very odd me. combination of books that'd be like those are the only two books I have in my house: a Jim Nance book and a Harry Potter book. I feel like Jim Nance doesn't read Harry Potter. So yeah, <laughs> you, you've got. I think there's a direct conflict right there. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450. It's your show. Light us up. Hit us up with whatever you got. We'll read more after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Friday to you from us at The Big X. Friday to you. We're lively here on fourteen fifty nine six one. The Big X. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Rashawn Myers in the house, host of Wake Up Five Hundred Two tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure you guys will be glowingly optimistic about Louisville's chances against Virginia. If you want to hear that <laughs> <laughs> that optimism in the morning, Ugh. tune into fourteen fifty The Big X to get yourself pumped up for tomorrow. Isn't it? I know we're just beating a dead horse here, and people get tired, but. but I can't help. I, I can't get my mind off it when, and we've been having this a lot lately because the schedule's been pretty tough. But it's it's late January. Virginia's coming to town. I know that Virginia's been a nightmare matchup for us since we joined the ACC. But remember how much like excitement this used to bring? Like all the different emotions, all the nervousness, all the like. like what do we if we win this? How's this going to affect our NCAA tournament seed? How's it going to affect? our chances of winning the conference title, how's this going to affect our shot at a double bye? And now it's just, it's 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 like, hey, Eric Musselman might be spreading rumors about getting the job. <laughs> like, that's the big thing that we're talking about. We're losing $2 million in ticket sales. Like, that's, I, I cannot, when we get back, I don't know if you're going to be like me, when we get back to being good, I've always been kind of a, I don't know, a little bit more of a reserved fan. We've been really good, kind of pessimistic, like, you know, we respect every opponent. Yeah. I'm going to be the most obnoxious, annoying, <laughs> like, UK fan on crack. When we get even remotely good, we're going to be, like, 10-7 and seven and ranked, like, you know, our net ranking is going to be, like, 72. And I'm like, we're going to kick Virginia Tech's ass by 73 on Saturday. I cannot wait for it. I'm so excited. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely miss it, and I still love watching the game. Like, I love basketball, so, like, I, I still watch a lot of basketball. But definitely, every time I watched another team's game when we were winning, it was just always through the prism of, like, what would we do against them? Mm-hmm. Who, could, who could get off against them? Where could we exploit the matchup to where maybe we could beat this top 10 team? And, you know, that was always fun. Like, that was yeah. always the thing. It's like, yeah, they may be good, but Cisco Garcia will tear them up. Right. You know, like that type of thing. And we can't do that anymore. And it does. It makes me very sad. Like, I still love basketball and I still watch. Um, but it's definitely not the same, man. Uh, just getting ready, get, getting able to complain about Joe Lenardi. Like, Joe Lenardi's name has not been spoken in a couple years now. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same exact way. I mean, I've loved college basketball for as long as I can remember. Uh, I'm excited. I'm doing freelance stuff for SB Nation, covering the sport for the next uh, three months, which will be fun. Uh, so I'm excited to do more general college basketball stuff. But as much as I've watched like mid-major games and, and high-profile games on the weekend, I always do view it through the lens of there's this gigantic puzzle. Like, how does our piece fit in relation to that? Right. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun way to view it because I do love the sport, but I have realized the last couple of years with Louisville being such a non-factor, like how like, I'll get into the, t- the tournament, I'll, I'll love the game, but like there's something lacking when Louisville's not a part of the conversation, at least in a positive way. And I can't wait for us to get back to it. I mean, we've been starved. You, you do forget like how long it's been. The, the fact that It's unthinkable that unless something crazy happens, like we're not going to the tournament this year, it, it's unthinkable that when we get to 2025, it will have been a full six years since we played in the NCAA tournament, and it will be a full eight years since we won a game in the NCAA tournament. And that's just, it's nuts. We haven't, we haven't come close besides the, the COVID year that got taken away and, I, and the, the, the secondary COVID year under Mac. We haven't sniffed an NCAA tournament this decade. And when you think about the run that we were on, 2008, going to the Elite Eight as a three seed, 2009 being the number one overall seed, going to the Elite Eight, 2011, four seed, 2012, four seed Final Four, 2013, national title, 2014, Sweet 16 as a four seed, 2015, Elite Eight as a four seed, 2016 would have been a top three seed, 2017, two seed. And then it's like, it's not even a slow fall. It's just you're off a cliff. Yeah. It's it's stunning. Like there, there are kids that don't know what it's what it's supposed to be like as a Louisville fan, where you're just you're 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 thinking about your bracket, not are we going to get in? Or could we get in next year? Or could we get in two years from now? And I'm just so, so anxious to get back to the way that it's supposed to be here yeah do you remember the whole you know do you want to be in the 512 or do you want to just drop to a six seed and get the six yeah dude we don't want to just don't chip us out west right or (laughs) we've had success out west who cares you know like let's think about these matches those conversations yes that that i miss that dearly it is i mean yeah lenardi's gotten off scot-free i haven't railed on joe lenardi and Far too long. That's why I watch St. John's. I, I I have I just squint my eyes and imagine that those are Louisville jerseys. It's <laughs> all we can do. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton text line. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts. Texter says, "I hope Herd listens to potential coaches' weekly radio shows as well as the call-in shows for their schools. That can give some very good insight into their personalities and what their fans like and dislike about the coaches." I do think. The primary feature for who you hire obviously has to be the guy that is just you think is going to win the most. But I think a second of secondary importance right now, especially considering how poorly the communication has been with the program for the last two years, like you want somebody who has some flair. You you want a guy who you feel like 
wins press conferences, who's not afraid to get out there, do radio shows, go out and do public events around the city, who's going to be visible. Because Kenny Payne, that's been one of the bigger surprises in this whole thing to me, just hasn't been visible since he's taken the job. And when he does talk, he never effectively communicates a message that the fan base wants to hear. It's why we were having the talk yesterday about like Jerome Tang versus a, a guy like Scott Drew. Like I think Scott Drew is the better coach. He's certainly the more accomplished coach. But Jerome Tang brings this cachet, brings this swag, brings this thing that I think the fan base would really, really love. Like You don't need to have a guy who has that personality because if they win at a high enough level pretty quickly, it's not going to matter. But you'd like to have it, especially given what we've – not just with, with, uh, with Payne, but Chris Mack also was kind of – he tried a little bit and he had some cool moments – but he was, you know, I think we could have used a little bit more of a, you know, I don't know, somebody who communicated better with the fan base. I, I would love to have that part of the the coaching position back with whoever's next. Agreed. I mean, but the one thing I loved about Mac, he was definitely not afraid of UK. No, he wasn't. <laughs> I'll take that all day long. If we at least can get that back, man, like just call out John Calipari every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like if you hire a guy like Jerome Tang, I'm trying to think of who else would be in this similar level but like tang i can see bruce pearl bruce pearl for sure <laughs> it's a great call like he has that personality as well like there's the famous clip of when um jim trussell got hired at ohio state you know the big thing with john cooper who'd been his press he had great teams he never beat michigan yeah and they bring jim trussell out at halftime of the ohio state michigan basketball game right after he gets hired and he's like we've got 348 days or whatever it was until we play that team from up north and we're gonna kick their ass and all like in front of the and then the, the place goes nuts and like I can see Tang or Pearl or somebody like that giving that same type of uh, of spiel and the fan base we're desperate to eat stuff like that up like we're gonna whoever gets hired we may he may not check boxes we may like not be a big fan of we're gonna talk ourselves into him because we're so desperate to have something good happen and if they go out and they give us those little nuggets like we're gonna eat it up like, like it, it should be very easy to win this fan base over right now. In a couple of months, whoever. I, I'm not going to lie to you, Mike. I would still love to have Bruce Pearl as a coach. I, I just think that he would win at a tremendous level at a school like Louisville. He's a hell of a coach. Like, watching what he's doing at Auburn, if you give him, like, it's honestly the same type. I think he would have the same type of impact on Louisville that Calipari had at UK. I do. I just He knows what to look for. He plays a defensive style. He knows talent, and he gets kids. Man, I would I would love it. I would love it. I mean, I I mean, who gives a crap about Auburn basketball? Auburn people got so mad at me when I kept trying to say, you know, why would you know Bruce Pearl would walk to Louisville for that job? And I still believe it. If he if he was a serious candidate, I think he would walk because Auburn sucks and you know they're not a basketball <laughs> school. And I will never say that they're a basketball school. So you know what? Suck it, Auburn fans. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> on uh, you're right. First of all. On one hand, I do think he would win and have success, and and he would speak to the fan base, like which is awesome. On the other, I do think that he sort of represents everything that's the worst evil in this sport. <laughs> so I would have to, I have to not just delete some tweets. I have to delete some long posts that I had written <laughs> that got some attention from the Auburn AD a few years ago. But uh, you, you, you have to reconcile that. I, I would have to kind of put, but I would do it. Like I, I, I would. You hate would it. absolutely do all of that to have Bruce Pearl. If you knew you could have Bruce Pearl next year, you would absolutely. I would not do that. like to have Bruce Pearl. Let me say that. I, I would. I would not yes. like to have Bruce. But if we hired Bruce Pearl, it's not like I would stop being a fan. I, I would absolutely. I would keep cheering for Louisville. I would. There'd be a part of me that would die inside, but I would. <laughs> I, I would have to accept it. I, I just want to win again. <laughs> I just. I want that to be the case. And look, Bruce Pearl. 
I, I think he's slimy. I think he's gross. But like the stuff. Bruce that Pearl or year three of Kenny Payne? Oh my God! Why? <laughs> Probably Bruce Pearl. There you go. I mean, he's it's not like he's committed heinous crimes or anything like that. He's just he's broken NCAA rules at every step of the and he's been a snitch. He, he, he's just, he's slimy. He's Weasley. He's kind of gross, but it's not like, you know, he's 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 done anything that I would be like. He's morally abhorrent. I just think he's. I just I don't like it. I'm just not a fan at all. Texture says, when John is old enough to play Little League, are you going to start a GoFundMe so he can play in a tournament on Cooperstown like a, in Cooperstown like Alyssa Milano did? I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, wow. I know I know kids play at Cooperstown all the time. Um, one of Mary's cousins, her, her kids, were playing. have played a couple of tournaments. They live in Columbus. They, they played a couple of tournaments at Cooperstown. But no, uh, I, I would probably not start a GoFundMe. Why would Alyssa, Alyssa Milano's got the money to fund that? What are, you, what are they doing? Uh, she can do whatever she wants. I used to have the biggest crush on Alyssa Milano. Yeah, she's My gorgeous. Goodness. Yeah. Whew. But still. Brings back memories. Spend your own money. She can do whatever she wants to do. It's spend all your, good. Spend your own money. Sell mulch like the rest of us. <laughs> Come on. Texture says, did you see um, this idiot's tweet earlier, Mike? Uh, it wasn't I mean, my tweet, was it? No. It's not, it's not about you. <laughs> okay. It's not about you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't need to read that. Texas, <laughs> the issue with Josh Hurd right now is that he really has no track record to speak of in these situations. Imagine where we'd be with him had Cincinnati not swooped in and taken Satterfield off our hands. Hurd is a bit like Kenny Payne in that we have to operate with the same blind faith that he can actually fix this. I mean, it's <clears throat> it, it, it's fair. I mean, I think that Josh has done other things well over the two years that he's had the job. It's not just about hiring coaches. It's not just about hiring spotlight sport coaches, but at the end of the day, and I'm saying this for the the the, the twelfth or fifteenth time on the show, like this is the hire that's going to kind of define him. If if we hire somebody that the fan base is not excited about, and his first two years here are atrocious, ticket sales don't go up, the team doesn't play any better, we're not recruiting any better, the coach does not connect with the fan base at all, like Josh is probably gonna get fired. Like, like this will be this will come to be what defines Josh. If it's a a, a guy who kills it here, Josh will become wildly popular because I expect football to keep it rolling. All of our other sports seem to be in pretty good shape. You trust Dan McDonald, you trust Jeff Walsh. He's kept those guys around, which has been great considering they've been pursued by a number of of. You know, they're always going to get pursued by programs after seasons. Volleyball has become a national powerhouse. The soccer programs are in good shape. Well, men's women's soccer had a bad year. Men's soccer is in good shape for sure. Um, like he's done a, a a good job outside of men's basketball being in the shape that it's in, and I think you you don't give him a full pass, but you take into account the fact that he was the interim during the last search. He just gotten the job, and he felt like he kind of had to hire Kenny Payne. But you don't get the benefit of the doubt now. Like th- there are no excuses if you make the wrong hire this go round. So I think the you're right in a lot of ways. He's never done this before. He's never been. Uh, an AD at a big time school that's made a ton of hires. He's had two kind of like hires that have fallen in his lap. This is the one that defines him. This is the one, and he knows that. Like, he's not, Josh is a very smart guy. He's got to get this done. No question about it. Texture says, um, oh God, this is a long text. <laughs> it was extremely, it was extremely difficult to make a case for Kenny Payne to get a second year, much less a third year. The only reason we didn't get rid of him last year is because he's a former player backed by donors. Any other top major program would have fired him after year one. 
Also, them saying that we knew it was going to be another rebuilding year was just the politically correct way of saying that we knew we were going to suck and that fans were not going to spend any money on the basketball program. Lowering your, lowering, lowering your income and budget expectations is all you need to know that the administration had no faith in Kenny Payne. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue. That's, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, saying it's, an, it's another rebuilding year and we were, we're planning on a loss of expenses, it does say, like, we kind of predicted that we were going to be bad. I mean, how, what you said, what, what Mike, $1.5 million short uh, of ticket sales? Uh, two. Two million. Two million dollars. Woo! I mean, if you think about $2 million lost in ticket sales, and what does that mean for just the revenue of, you know, drinks and, and food? And, sure. I mean, $2 million is that's a lot of money, and that's a lot. I mean, you extrapolate that by how much those folks spend. It's it's. I mean, but you know what? I went out, Mike. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I went out last Saturday um, to watch the Louisville-Wake Forest game after I left the radio. Um, I had some time, so I just went over to the BW3s over on uh, Shelbyville Road. Just went, you know, to go in. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to have some wings, kick back, and relax for a little bit. Walk into BW3s. There was, you know, there's how many TVs in BWs? 30? Sure. 30 TVs? Yeah. There was not a single TV that had the Louisville Wake Forest game no. on. No. I got there about midway through the first half. Um, and there was not a single TV. I had to ask a lady to turn the game on. Dude. Like that's crazy to me. I've heard so, so. I've heard a decent amount of these stories over the last couple of months. I had my own. We went to it was my wife's birthday on January third, and I came straight from the the radio show to was a Mojito and Havana in St. Matthews. And yes, we, and we were playing Clemson on. I, I want to. It was either ESPN two or the ACC network, and none of the like the TVs were on the SEC network and ESPN and Wheel of Fortune <laughs> while the game was going on. <laughs> But like th- that's one thing. It, it, it's still sad. This is a Louisville restaurant. It was pretty. It was very right. crowded. People were at the bar. Louisville's playing on national TV, and nobody's turning it on. To not be on on a Saturday at B Dubs is it's like, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I could wildly not depressing. I couldn't believe it. Like I had to ask. I was like, "Hey, can you turn like the big the big TV that's on like bingo? Can you turn off the bingo and turn on the Louisville game for me, please?" They just like punch you in the face. Like we don't take that request too. <laughs> How dare you? That was the saddest. It was just, it was the saddest thing, man. Like, I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, this is where we've come to. The saddest like, thing about being at the, because, like, you know, we were trying to get home by 7 uh, to, to watch the, the Clemson game. And I was like, you know, if, if I miss a little bit, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's your birthday, for God's sake. And I assumed that somebody would just ask to turn the game on. It never happened. Like, no, nobody even cared. Like, no, nobody no. was like, wait, 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 can you put the Clemson game on, please? It just it, it, it did not happen at all. And no was, one cares. No one cares anymore. It's it's a, it's hurt more. People talk about the downtown economy. Uh-huh. It's hurt sports bars all around the city, regardless of whether they're close to the Yum Center or not. No one's going out to bars to watch Louisville games anymore, like at all. It's sad as hell. I I, I do wonder if because you're totally right. There was the DRB story this weekend or this week about downtown just not bouncing back, and it yeah. did mention multiple times U of Elman's basketball program just not being at all relevant and not being a draw. I, I do wonder if everyone's just con- going to kind of remember the old days when, when we get good again, whether it's next year, two years from now, whenever, how familiar it feels to be, you know, like pre-gaming downtown at one of the restaurants around the Yum Center or going to your favorite sports bar, watching the game at Dundee Tavern or watching the game at Set, wherever you're going to go. And if we see an uptick and we have like an, like now we have a, a generation of young 20 somethings, that's never really experienced it. Like there's, there hasn't yeah. been, you know, the last four or five years, nobody's gone to bars to watch big games because there haven't been big games. So, you know, it's, 
it, it's all so strange to me. It's all so unfamiliar. It's all so weird. It's all so sad. The thing about Louisville is Louisville is a big. It's like it's like living in L.A. If there's if there's a reason to go out and that's the hot thing that's going on and you have a team that's winning and successful, everybody's going to be a part of it. Yeah. That's the thing you got to understand. That's why when you went to Freedom Hall, it looked like a stage while they had the dark lighting, you know, with the fans and and it looked like playing out there was like being in the theater. It's because we enjoyed the show. So if you have something, a product to buy, and people love it, and it's going to be exciting, we're going to show up. People are going to go to the bars, but you have to give them something. Because if you're losing, people will not show up, period. And they're not going to come out and spend their money. I mean, Louisville, for better or for worse, is more like a pro sports town, period. For sure. I, mean, I just remember like 10 years ago, it was the, in 2014. You can use a number of examples during this time period, but 2014, the last home game of the year was when we, we beat UConn by 33, the team that would go on to win the national title. And, you know, those last couple weeks of the regular season, a lot of times around here it gets unseasonably warm. and it mm-hmm. feel, Like, you know, when it hits like 65 or, or low 60s around here, at that point after the winter, it feels like it's like 85. Like people are walking around without their shirts and stuff. <laughs> it's, it, it's a great feeling. And so when we would have those games, like I think it was Notre Dame was the senior day game the year before. You know, my friends and I, we, we would just like, you know, you, you, you were just like, let's go downtown. Tip off at 8 o'clock. 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, let's go downtown at noon. We'll just drink the entire day, go from bar to bar, and just hang out around somewhere around downtown. And every bar you went to was packed. People were just watching the other games. People had their cars gear on. You just spent an entire day downtown getting ready for the basketball game, and that was just what you did. You didn't have a set game plan. It wasn't like, you know, maybe we'll start at BBC. Maybe we'll go to Baranos. Maybe we'll go to wherever. But we're going to hit all these spots and just have a good time, meet up with other friends. And that's not a thing anymore. It's like it, it, nobody's going to get ready for, you know, our last home game this year is what we play Florida State. That's an away game. We play Boston College at yes. home on the CW <laughs> on a Wednesday. Nobody's going. Nobody's going to be going nuts for that game. It's just it's we live in a different world right now, and it's going to take a, It's going to be an adjustment period when we get back. Texas says uh, Josh Hurd might go on a Forrest Gump run if KP is allowed back for another year. Josh is just like, I just started running. I just ran forever. Texas says, instead of talking about um, – oh, I can't read that. Texas says, scoots this morning on KRC. He said, I'm used to the kids' table. That's where I'd want to be. It's really not doing him any favors on the whole Rebecca Black scandal. He's really not. Are you familiar with what we're talking about there? I, I heard you all yeah. mention it, but no, I, I... – I heard that. I heard that mentioned. It was a terrible moment for Scoots several months ago, <laughs> on the show. It was when we were at the OG Studios in Jeffersonville. Yes. Do you remember the Rebecca Black? She had the song. It was like viral. It was one of the first like, internet viral awful sensations in like 2010. The song Friday. It was like oh Friday. yes, yes. And she I got famous that for that. She's like a little girl doing that, and she somehow came up on the show. Maybe it was a Friday episode, but we were looking her up, and she's like she's an adult now, and she's very attractive. <laughs> and I, I was bringing. I'm like she's actually she's very cute now. And Scooch brought her up and was like, I think she was more attractive then. Oh, God. <laughs> it was a shocking moment for all of us. <laughs> because, one, she's she is an attractive woman now, and he was like trying to downplay it. But then to pivot to she was better looking when she was 13 years old was a tough moment for the show. It was absolutely a tough moment for Scoots. <laughs> and he's kind of not been living it down ever since then. It gets brought up on the text line pretty frequently. <laughs> it's bad. Anytime he makes something of a, a uh, you know, kind of eh, comment, people are going to bring it back to wow to the Rebecca goods. Black comment. It was it was it's <laughs> not his not, not his uh, proudest moment for sure. 
Texture says, how can Josh say that, quote, we knew this would be another rebuilding year? Is that acceptable at Louisville basketball to write off the season before it starts? Is that what they were saying going into this year? Certainly seemed that way. I mean, they didn't talk about the basketball program. You remember it, Mike? Like, literally, they, they did not promote the basketball team at all. No. Before the year. So I, I totally agree. I think that he knew going in, it was just like one of those things where they were like, well, let's just not talk about it, and then hopefully they'll be better than what everybody thinks. Then we can prop up the fact that they're better than, you know, what we thought they were going to be. Like, that seemed to be the strategy. Because they didn't talk the the athletic department. They didn't do, you know, what was it, the Cardinal Caravan type stuff? Yeah. They didn't do anything. They didn't even talk about the basketball program. Yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, it was – it was very much a, like, hey, let's just not. Maybe people will forget about this if we just leave it alone. Let's just focus on Jeff Brom. Let's just get – I mean, Kenny Payne was, did not talk the entire summer until August. He did John Rossing's podcast and then did a, a local meeting with the media, which was – that was the most shocking thing to me of all. It's one thing to not talk to the media in year one, but after you have quite literally the worst season in, his, in the history of the program, I thought, you know, this guy's going to be on top of it. He, he's going to come out in April – and he's going to address the fans and say, I, I know what just happened was unacceptable, but it's going to get better, and here's exactly why. I'm going to lay out my exact plan, mm -hmm. A, B, and C, and I feel like that's the bare minimum that he can do, is tell us why it's going to be significantly different and why year one is not indicative of the, the way the program's going to look under his watch. And instead, we just heard nothing. No, no big recruiting news was out there. We had a couple of transfer portal hits early on. And then just radio silence. Yeah, you and, thought he was going to do the Hancock speech, the you know you deserve better, right. I will be better. Type Which let's uh, like, kind of deserved after going four and twenty eight. Like you know, there, there were a lot of people that had a lot of faith in you, and you not only didn't deliver, like you gave us a lot of reasons to be very worried uh, about the direction of the program. And then everybody just kind of didn't say anything the entire summer. Which your silence was making everybody more worried, and it turns out. For a good reason, because we're sitting here and we're not that much better in year two. Uh, Texture 502411450 says, The day Kenny Payne gets fired, you need to come into the show and just talk about Kentucky Derby prep races. <laughs> uh, we'll do special radio. We'll come on at like you know one in the afternoon if it happens and just be like, Let's, who do you like in the Louisiana Derby this year? It's coming up. Oh. Texture says, Carry on my wayward son. Is this about Kenny Payne? There. Texas says, why would U of L hire Nolan Smith? Didn't they learn their lesson by hiring a head coach without any head coaching experience? I think Rashawn was just talking when you brought that up as a as like a it was more of an in the middle of the season thing. Yes, yes. So that that scenario of, you know, because Louisville does have a very weak February, let's say Nolan comes in and they go five hundred. So then they try to say, Okay, well Right. Nolan turned it around. It's like, yeah. I mean there were people you you, you may laugh at that, but there were people who like was they were talking about Mike McGee's in those terms for a little bit. I mean, certainly David Padgett got some love like that. And you do more times than not when you get pressured into hiring an interim that's doing a little bit better than you thought in a bad situation, it winds up not turning out great. Case in point, I know they're playing better now, but Rodney Terry at Texas, is not, it's not been great in his second year after he felt like they felt like they kind of had to hire him after going to the Elite Eight. I'll take a break. we got the 5 o'clock hour coming up next. We'll uh, rehash some thoughts from the beginning of the show, and we'll get you ready for a big weekend ahead in the world of sports. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X.
o'clock hour here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, The Big X. We got Rashawn Myers in studio with us here on this Friday. And I meant to bring this up at the beginning of the show, but I just saw a reminder of it during the break. And it's it's wild. It's one of those things that feels like it was 25 years ago and yesterday at the same time. But this is the four-year anniversary of the the sudden and untimely death of Kobe Bryant. In the helicopter crash back in uh, in Jan- on January twenty sixth, twenty twenty, you know, just happened before, like a month and a half before the world stopped because of the the pandemic. But four years, man. I think mean, one of those. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big of a basketball fan you you are. I don't care what you thought about Kobe Bryant. It's definitely one of those celebrity deaths that I think everybody kind of remembers how they heard and how it affected them because it was just so shocking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that whole that whole thing just seemed so surreal. I I just remember it, you know, just because even with me personally, everything that me and my family was dealing with at the same time, uh, you know, to kind of hear about Kobe and just that whole situation with hoping and praying that his daughter was not on that helicopter, and then hearing that Gigi was on there, I just it was yeah. to me as a parent and just everything. It was a very I mean because Kobe was my anybody who knows me knows that Kobe is my favorite all time. Like he was my fa- I, I had Kobe everything, and, and you know us being about the same age, um, it was it was Kobe Bryant and Charles Woodson was my dudes growing up, man. Like, those were just always my guys. I you know he he was kind of growing at the same me and him were about the same age, um, similar birthdays, so it was just always very. Uh, a, a tough, tough situation for me to thinking about Kobe and just all the the things that he still had to give. So yeah, that's wild that that's yeah it's been it's been that much time. It's crazy. It was. I mean, may, when you talk about like shocking celebrity deaths, I feel like I, it's number one for me just because the way in which it came out. You know, typically, you hear a rumor or something. You know, it's or, or there's like a report. Hey, like hearing right. s- there's a medical emergency with so-and-so or somebody was involved in an accident and you're like, oh no, I hope it ends up being okay. This was out of nowhere. TMZ just dropping a bomb and saying like Kobe Bryant, helicopter crash, he's dead. Like, like that was it. It was definitive. It was just like, and so you're like, you're hoping for secondary reports or something else like that because there's no, like he's, there's been an accident. Maybe he's okay. We're trying to figure out what's going on. It's, 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 it's done. Like it's over. Yeah. And it was just so jarring. And you're like, there's, there's no way, like, there's no way that that happened. I remember sitting in my, I was in my basement on the computer. It popped up across the timeline. I'm like, no way, absolutely not. And then sure enough, you, people start confirming it. And it's just this, this shocking, horrible thing. And like you said, the one thing that we didn't know immediately was whether or not his daughter was on the plane, was on the helicopter with him. And then it comes out that she did. And that just adds a, another gut punch to this horrible, horrible thing. But it was such a sad time. It's also, I think remember now is like the last big, big story before the COVID pandemic happened and, and the world shut down um it's yeah it's still to this day one of the, he's one of those people that you just kind of like i forget is dead you yeah, know like because yeah, yeah. they seem so large such large in life you thought they would always be around your entire life and it, every now and then you just kind of like see it and you, it just hits you like oh my god like he's i forgot he's not with us anymore which is just it's still surreal four years later doesn't feel real at all um on a much, much lighter note, we've been talking about Louisville sports today. We've been talking a little bit about the NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. We're going to find out who's in the Super Bowl in about 48 hours. Lamar, his big day against the Chiefs. The Lions, their big day against the 49ers. Louisville, their big day tomorrow against Virginia. <laughs> let's 
let's at least give like 30 seconds. One of these uh, things uh, is not like the other. <laughs> let's give at least 30 seconds of attention to this game tomorrow because UofL um, coming in this game against Virginia, noon tip off inside the KFC M Center. They are, are obviously not playing fantastic basketball, but people think they've turned a corner. They still lost four games in a row. Virginia, I'll give you two things. Two reasons why there's a chance that Louisville could win this game. First of all, I mean, this is not one of the two things, but Ken Palm only projects it as a six-point win for Virginia. I don't know if there's a spread out, but I'm assuming the spread will be something along the lines of, of six and a half, seven points, somewhere in that ballpark. But Virginia has been a bad, bad road team so far this year. They only have one win away from home. It came last Saturday against a bad Georgia Tech team. Wake Forest beat them by 20. NC State beat them by 16. Notre Dame, who's maybe worse than we are, or close to it, beat them by 22. And Memphis beat them by 23. They haven't just lost away from home. They've gotten whomped away from home. They're getting walloped by teams when they're playing in true road games. The other thing is their offense has been playing really poorly lately. They're in a big-time offensive slump. They beat NC State at home on Wednesday, but they scored only 50... um, uh, 47 points in regulation, finished with 59 in overtime. They're not shooting the ball well. They're not hitting the three at all. Um, they were 4 of 17 from three on uh, on Wednesday. Isaac McNeely, who was shooting like 41% early in the year, he was just 2 of 9. He's in a little bit of a slump. Reese Beekman has been in kind of a season-long shooting slump. Ryan Dunn's playing pretty well, but they don't have a secondary option. They're just not a good offensive team right now. None of this is leading me to predict a Louisville victory tomorrow. I'm just saying, this is a far more winnable game than some of the games we've been playing recently. I know everyone just looks at it and they say, Virginia, we never beat them. They beat us by 24 earlier in the month. It's a game where I'll be surprised if they get just housed by 20 points again tomorrow. So I'm going to throw a couple. I'm going to throw some numbers at you, Mike. Let's do it. Okay. The University of Louisville versus Power 5 opponents this year, is they are averaging 82 points per game. Okay. The opponents are. I'm the opponents are. I was going to say, I don't think the, that's us. The opponents are averaging 88, uh, 82 points per game. Uh, one of the games where they did not reach that 80-point plateau was Virginia, who finished with 70, 77 points. They almost got there. Um, but Louisville is giving up a ton of points. So this is going to be one of those situations where one thing's got to give. Either Louisville's defense is going to continue to – um, you know, give it up quick, early, and often, or you know, Virginia's gonna do what Virginia has been doing as of late. You know, it's kind of one of those things like a, a, a weakness versus who's the worst weakness. I don't know. You know, when it's strength versus strength, you know, they say what what is it the uh, the the uh, is unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Yep. I don't know what you call it when both of them are just kind of <laughs> terrible. I don't know what the what the analogy is for that, but it's gonna be that tomorrow. Like, what's going to be worse? Louisville's defense or uh, Virginia's inept uh, offense, you know, is, is going to be kind of the thing. I kind of lean towards Louisville's terrible defense because they've had this amazing ability to make bad defense. I mean, the fact that Virginia scored 77 points against Louisville, that has to be one of their highest scoring outputs of the year. I mean, it, it's got to be just because of how they play. They don't classically put up a ton of points. I mean, you know, I, I will be very interested to see what happens. But, yeah, I mean – it's been proven that if you continue to rotate the ball, move the ball, and that's what Virginia does, right? They pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. They will. They don't mind running the clock down. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we've seen with this Louisville defense is they're usually really good the first two to three passes. 
They'll be engaged. They'll be there. But if you continue to rotate it, somebody in that, you know inexplicably is either going to be able to go straight down the lane and get a layup, or there's going to be a wide open three. Um, and because of that, normally these teams do really, really well in terms of points per possession. So um, I, I think that it's going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be extremely low scoring. I could see you know a 19 to 21 halftime score mm-hmm. and then you know virginia maybe start to find their way a little bit in that second half and then all of a sudden mcneely just comes on you know just goes off in the second half but uh i mean i think that's going to be kind of the tail of the tape but the, the the one thing you hope is that louisville's playing better offensively sky clark is shooting the cover off the ball right now um curtis williams jr has been better um, and, you know, the the one thing where I think they were able to find success that I was surprised about was how well Brandon Huntley Hatfield was able to score in the post against that Virginia defense. Um, that was something I wasn't expecting. So if you can have that happen, if their defense can just be a little bit better, Louisville's going to have a chance to possibly win this game tomorrow. I, I, I would not be shocked at all if this game is close, and I, that sounds crazy to me, but if you look at their numbers – some of them are familiar. Like Virginia, they play at the second slowest pace in all of college basketball right now. They're usually one, but they their adjusted tempo is 361st out of 362 teams. They're still ninth in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. So that they're they're doing what they do on defense every single year. They're doing it well. The issue is the offense. They're 174th in adjusted offensive efficiency. They right now are a worse offensive team than we are. They're they take care of the ball. They shoot the three at a pretty good clip. They just don't take a ton. But inside, they just they don't have that jack salt that like that that, that capable jack forward. Salt. They don't have anybody who's who's creating space in the middle for them anymore. And they don't have like a a next level player who can make shots in in the paint anymore. So they've their two point percentage. They're two hundred forty ninth in the country. They're shooting less than fifty percent from inside the arc, which is bad. They're also a terrible free throw shooting team, which does not seem very Virginia. But all this to say. Louisville is in the midst, the Courier-Journal, Brooks Holton wrote this today, Louisville's in the midst of its hottest shooting streak in five years. Like, they're shooting the ball better right now than they have at any point since the the, the 2019 team. It hasn't mattered because they've been so bad defensively. Yeah, They can be pretty bad against this Virginia team defensively and still get bailed out because these guys just aren't making shots right now. So if, if the offense keeps going, if Sky Clark, like you talked about, if he keeps shooting the way that he's been shooting – and look, Reese Beekman's a good defensive player. Clark's, I think, should be able to handle what he does well. He should be able to get around him every now and then and should at least be able to take care of the ball and create shots for his teammates. If we can get some guys to knock down some open shots, which is always the case against Virginia, and then UVA just misses the, I don't know, 75 wide-open looks we're going to give them <laughs> on Saturday and maybe misses some layups too, they've got a real shot. Like, like It would not be the craziest thing in the world for Louisville to beat Virginia. And then people are going to overreact to it because it's it's Virginia and we never beat Virginia. And it will be a great win, but I think it will probably say more about UVA than, than it does Louisville. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to win this game. But I also don't think that it's going to be like it was a few weeks ago where we're losing by 24 and it's never really in jeopardy. Uh, and I found out that answer, by the way. The, there's only been four games this year where they scored more than the 77 that they scored against Louisville in that win earlier in the year. Three of those, 80 points against Tarleton State, 80 points against North Carolina A&T, and uh, 79 points against Morgan State. The only mm. Power 5 opponent to score more uh, that, you know, where they scored more than the Louisville game was 84 points against Syracuse at home. But they literally have only scored more than that. So, I mean, literally, they had their second-best offensive output versus Power five, uh, a Power 5 opponent when they played Louisville. Quick so. basketball trivia time. Do you know who the coach is at Tarleton State? I do not. You should. Really? Local name. Scandalous. 
sucked in Lexington. Andre McGee. No. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Gillespie is wow. the Tarleton State head coach. Uh, they are giving up 80 points to Virginia, it looks like, in, in games this year. They're not terrible. He's done a pretty good job there, but they're not. I mean, Billy Clack, a coach, it was just everything else. It was, it was everything. It was definitely everything else. It was just else. everything else. Uh, but Card's taking on Virginia tomorrow at noon. Back inside the KFC Um Center, it does start a nice little run of home games for Louisville. And they're going to play, well, I guess they're back to kind of the, the home away, home away, and then they'll end with three straight home games at the end of the season. But Card's playing Virginia at home this weekend. They get Florida State at home uh, after they play Clemson on the road. And then winnable home games, I feel like, coming up. Like, like Florida State is playing better in the ACC. That's probably going to be a tough one. But after that, Georgia Tech, I think, very good shot to beat at home. Notre Dame, very good shot to beat at home. And then Syracuse and Boston College at the end of the season in March, I feel like, decent shots to win. Like, they're going to win some games. I'll be shocked if they have this 2-18, and 3-17, and 1-19 type final record going into the conference tournament. I think they're going to win 4-5. or five. It's just, to me, it's not good enough. But that's that's me. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Let's take some text from you guys. Text says, I heard that uh, Vince Merrill is rumored for the U of Elman's basketball job. <laughs> Can Stoops keep him? Big dog. He needs a, he's, he's a race. you got to feed the big dog, right? you got to keep him around. <laughs> Everybody wants him. Michigan wants him. You know. How about our guy Sharon Moore, though? Probably going to get the Michigan job. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel, I feel like that's a, a Terry situation. Same same thing with Coach Terry at Texas, I feel about it. I mean, I, I know Sharon Moore is one of our own, a former Louisville I'm happy coach. for him, yeah. But, you know, I'm happy for him. But, you know, I don't, if I'm Michigan, I'm going out there and I'm going to do a national search. I'm, I just, I'm just – I kind of am too. I, I feel like, they're, you know, cool, he won four games as the interim this year with Harbaugh out. Like, All I did was run the football. He, and and kind of just did what – you had a, a system already in place. Yeah. Like, you, just, you had, he had the players already in place. He had the culture already in place. Like, he's, it's now his show. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not certain that it's just going to keep rolling on without any sort of faltering. That said, if their players want to go somewhere else, like yeah, I, I know a place that likes transfers. <laughs> I know a place that will welcome them with open arms. Absolutely. I'm good with that. Texas, the realistic candidates for basketball have resumes that are going to be disparaged by the sections of the fan base that didn't want that particular guy. Hurt has no built-up trust from the fans and no consensus hire waiting in the wings. Jurich had a Hall of Famer to replace a Hall of Famer. Tyre had the hottest upcoming coach in college basketball that have, had local ties. Josh was interim and had to play politics to land the job, to, so Kenny Payne was a program hire, not a Josh hire, in my opinion. Josh so far has had the least envious run in Louisville history. I don't think you're wrong. Like, it, it all comes back to this hire for Josh. Like, you're right. There's no, unless he goes out there and gets Scott Drew, maybe, would have everybody on the fan, in the fan base being like, look, do one a national title, rebuilt Baylor, let's roll. It's far, far more likely that he's go- whoever he hires is going to be somebody that a, a chunk of the fan base just doesn't like, right? We've got a lot yeah. of guys that are contenders that are having bad seasons right now. That's always going to make them a little bit of a tougher sell than if they're rolling in after an Elite Eight trip or, or something like that. So Josh, like he's going to have to bank on himself here. He's going to have to trust his instincts, and he's going to have to know that initially there's going to be pushback from at least a, ch- a segment of the fan base. Yeah, unless it's Jay Wright. I mean, like that's, those are probably that's the only, only two yeah, guys. I mean, Jay Wright and, and Scott Drew, pretty much. You know, or Rick Pitino. And yeah. Even then, you're probably going <laughs> to oh, have Oh, no, there would definitely there. still be some haters. Yeah, <laughs> if he can go out there and land Coach K, I think maybe you'll have 98% of the fan base Oh, no, they'd say he's too old. Somebody would say he's too old. Yeah, but like, that's going to be the case. Like, like, whoever it is, like when you look at the, the, the cast, the realistic cast of candidates, 
none of them check every box the way that Rick Pitino did for Tom Jurich back in 2001. There's not a guy out there who's a surefire Hall of Famer that you hire and you say, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt this guy's going to win around the highest level possible. You, there, there's a little bit of a guessing game with whoever you hire, and Josh is just going to have to trust his instincts. He's going to have to He's going to have to recognize that it's not going to be a 100% job approval reaction. Hey, man, Kevin Ollie's out there. That's all I'm saying. God. He won a championship. He did. <laughs> Does he still have like, the 15-year show cost? I think he won that lawsuit. I think he's probably available at this point. There but you go. It, like, it's going to be it's gonna be somebody that the fan base has to talk themselves into and one that we're still probably a little bit weary of until he starts producing on the actual court. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely an unenviable spot for Josh because the heat that's on him right now, it's probably still going to be on him regardless of who he hires until that person starts winning. Because, like like I said, I, I don't – unless, like you said, it's Jay Wright, it's going to be somebody that the fan base is okay with and that some of them are like, this isn't the guy. Look at how we're talking about all the candidates that are out there. I mean, look at, you know, Jerome Tang. He's having a little bit of an underwhelming second year, and it's just his second year. Yeah. We don't know if he can do it at a high level. Mick Cronin had a nice run at UCLA. He's having a disastrous season this year, and a lot of people just don't like the personality. They don't feel like he won enough at, at Cincinnati. Musselman's having a disastrous year. Nate Oates had some mishandling of, yeah. of stuff last season. Also has never won big in the NCAA tournament just yet. He's a young guy. Uh, Dusty May. Cool, you're winning at Florida Atlantic. How does that translate to Louisville? All of these guys have those types of holes in their resume, and so it's going to be very tough for Josh to like definitively win this hire, if that makes any sense. Mike, could I interest you in Shaheen Holloway? You 100% could. I don't think that we could. Shaheen Holloway is going to be interested in anybody besides Seton Hall for a few years. But yeah, if we hired, I Shaheen, mean, I'm telling you, if like, we hired that whoop. guy, I'm 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 parading, I, I, I'm sprinting across <laughs> the entire city. He's the real deal. I I think he is an outstanding coach, and the way he's just gotten in there with Seton Hall and how well they're playing right right now, man, I I would that would be a guy that I definitely would put up. Like he he didn't start the season up my list, but watching them play recently and how they're really starting to take to his system and how they play. And his just his energy, I think he would be a guy that would win the press conference mm-hmm. as well and be kind of one of those folks in the community doing the rah-rah thing. And I don't think he would be afraid of Kentucky. I feel like he would be one to be very brash. And I think he would be a superstar at a place like Louisville. Just, I, I don't think Shaheen Holloway would be afraid of the Lakers. Like, there's no fear in that dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did. I mean, it was crazy. Everyone talked about it the St. Peter's run being such a good thing for Seton Hall. And, and I think Seton Hall people were like, we kind of knew we were going to hire him anyway. And <laughs> when they won, it was very much a price of the bricks going up situation. <laughs> like, like we had to pay him a little bit more than we thought we were going to, because the dude, you know, was, was winning games in the NCAA tournament with St. Peter's, which is th- their athletic budgets, like $21,000 or yeah. something. It's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, but he, he can absolutely coach, and he is a tough-nosed dude. He's going to win the press conferences. He's he's going to give the fans everything that they want, and his teams are going to play hard as hell, which is all we want out of whoever comes next. But unfortunately, I don't think he's leaving Seton Hall anytime soon. I agree, but I mean, I just that that is one guy that I just never thought about, and I'm just like, man, I'd love to see him on the sideline. Oh my, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> I would. I, I'd give anything. I, I, I'll give a pinky for sure <laughs> to have Sheen Holloway come here. Uh, Texas, we don't care w- about what or how the athletic board meeting went. We just want to know if Tim Sullivan tried to break into this meeting. Did Tim make a ruckus? He, he'll, he's willing to climb stairs at these meetings. We know that for sure. <laughs> There's no way around it. Texter says, um, what is this? It's a, it's a message board post. 
people who back KP aren't doing it because they think he can win. They don't care if he wins. Blah, 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 blah. Um, nobody wants to hear the truth, sadly. Eves and the goons are hostage takers. <laughs> At some point, like, it, it's... You just don't have any ground to stand on at some point. Like it's not a matter like if you liked him or if you liked the hire going into it or whatever. Like we're we're ten forty one. Most of those guys have just kind of eased back and they just don't say anything anymore. It's been really quiet, which I'm fine with. Like like, 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 they're kind of just going back into the background. I don't disparage anybody who you know forget about who wanted Kenny Payne as the hire. A lot of people wanted Kenny Payne as the hire, and that's fine. Like I, I had a difference of opinion. We all were guessing. We all were guessing. I don't even really disparage people who thought that Kenny Payne deserved a second year. That's it's fine. Like you, you thought you were doing what was best for the program. We all want the same thing. We all want Louisville basketball to win. Absolutely. My issue is with the people who are just like they're unwilling to hear any of the negatives that are laid out because you've got nothing tangible to point to to say this is why I know it's going to get better, right? Because the on-court product, and again, this is a guy who. He doesn't have his success at a lower level program or a different major program to fall back on. We we can't we can't point to hey he was the head coach at Washington State and went to a couple Sweet Sixteens there. That's why I know he's going to be good here eventually, even if right now sucks. It's the first time he's ever done this, so we've got nothing to to fall back on. We've got nothing to point to, and the off the court stuff has been just as bad as the on the court stuff. Recruiting has not gone great. It's it's there's nothing happening right now. His handling with the media, his handling with fans, his post-game press conferences, it's all been bad. There's never any clear messaging as far as what he wants to do and how he's going to accomplish it. And the on-court results kind of speak for themselves. There's just no pivot at this point to say, like, I know it's going to get better because of A, B, and C. Like, I feel like people on the other side can very clearly say, I know why it's not going to get better because of A, B, C, and then, like, you know, 15 rows of the alphabet. (laughs) Because there's a lot of evidence. But, yeah, it's... It is what it is at this point. There's no point in rehashing all the arguments, but it is what it is. Texas says, I listened to his Lenore Ryan postgame press conference last night. People forget that we needed that loss. That was a, yeah. Nice. I know people at the time were, were, were doing the whole thing where it was like you can't get too riled up over an exhibition game, but my goodness, the red flags were everywhere. Like, I think my first tweet about a Kenny Payne game was, I expected it to be bad. It's way worse than I even thought. Like I'd heard bad things during the the summer from people who'd gone to practice. I thought the roster was very poorly constructed, and then to see that team come out there and like look like they just didn't know what they were supposed to be doing was jarring. And then for him to come out afterwards and say we needed this, I was like, why? Like you know. We're picked to finish 11th in the AC, ACC or whatever it was. Like, you've never had a Louisville team with less hype than this. If you needed motivation, you've been getting it all, all summer. Why would you possibly need to lose to an exhibition an exhibition game to a college team for the first time in Louisville history? We never lost an exhibition game against a college team. Yeah. Why do you need that? And that Little Ryan team ended up finishing, what, last in their, in their conference? We needed Division that. Three. I mean, it was, at some point, we are going to have to, like, when this is all over, we're going to have to rehash, like, the – the 15 greatest Kenny Payne quotes because I've, I've forgotten <laughs> some over the years. It's just, there's, there's some, there's some absolute bangers where you're like, did he really just say that? Uh, Texture says, am I crazy to want Tang over Scott Drew? Hmm. No, no, I'm, I'm taking Drew. Drew, Drew is, if, if, um, you know, if Jay Wright is not an option, 
which it seems like he seems like he's very happy. He keeps saying he's happy in his smoke screen, you know, smoke screen, his new career. <laughs> but if Jay Wright's not available, no, I'm taking Drew Sky Drew over anything. Like he just, I, I, in my my personal opinion, what he's been able to do at Baylor and the type of players he's continuing to get at Baylor and his style of play, um, I just think that that's an an absolute grand slam home run. So no, I, I'm taking Drew over anything. Period. To me, he's the when people talk about there not being a home run higher out there. Maybe that's true. I think he's as close as you can get because this is a bad rebuilding situation, if you want to call it that. We're at a low place right now. It's not worse than walking into a, a program that had had players kill each other and had the coaches like work to, to clean it up. And it was so bad there, they weren't allowed to play non-conference games. Yeah. Couldn't play on TV. And it's Baylor, for God's sake, a program with they don't care about basketball down there. He's recruiting to Waco. He's recruiting to Waco, Texas, for God's sake, to not play games on TV and not get to play non-conference games. And he's getting it done. Like, like they were, they were better in those first couple of years than we were the last couple of years. So he's re, he's done something more miraculous than it would be rebuilding back Louisville back to its former self. I do think that culturally it would be an awkward fit, but if you win, it doesn't really matter. You know, nobody cares if you're this over the top, cool like you you own the press conference, you own the city, like Rick Pitino did or like Denny Crum did. Nobody really cares about that. They just want you to win. And I think he'd win here. I think he's proven that. Uh, Tang, I think, would win the, win the press conference. He definitely would be like mayor of the city type guy. But <laughs> winning has to be the uh, of primary importance. Um, it, it just is. And I think that Scott Drew is the one guy you look at and you point to and say, I know he'd win here. Texture says, and we'll, uh, we'll end the segment on this, I thought Hurd sounded pretty candid and without saying that he's fired. He said it using adjectives like it's been all-consuming is not a vote of confidence. It wasn't. No, I, I kind of had the same feeling. I feel like everything that he said has has it's let the fan base know. Like, I get it. If it doesn't get significantly better, he's gone. Like, and even if it gets a little bit better, he's still probably gone. I feel like that's the message that he's trying to get through without openly saying it. Maybe I'm just hearing what I want to hear, but that's kind of what I hear. I agree. I mean, I'm no. Please, God, let that be <laughs> what he's at. I mean, he said he's at. not running away from the lofty expectations of the school, and we're not lowering that. So at that point, is it's, I mean, what else does there need to be said? I mean, the man said this time a year ago that 500 is not the expectation here. And, and look, we're 6 and 13. We're probably not going to get to 500 this year. So, yeah, know, no. It's uh, like he's, if his words are any indication, we're going to be moving in a different direction at the end of this year. And I think it has to happen. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll get to as many texts as we can and make some picks for the weekend ahead. It's the Mike Rutherford Show with Sean Myers here on the Big X. appropriate the lyrics of the song just hang on <laughs> i had a similar spiel earlier in the week where I, I i really and truly i'm excited about what's going to happen the rest of the year i think there's some fun things on the horizon spring football should be great football recruiting should be great 
if you get a new basketball men's basketball coach in here in March, like there'll be excitement for that. We'll be curious about the roster assembly. Women's basketball could make a run in the NCAA tournament. Baseball, football in the fall, volleyball in the fall, the new basketball season starting, all that stuff. But for right now, in this moment, the dead of winter, haven't seen the sun in three weeks, <laughs> rain and, and gross cold and all this stuff, we just kind of have to get through it. We just got to hang on. I don't know, find a new ho- hobby for the next five weeks. If you gave up on video games a few years ago, maybe bring the video games back. If you, you know, you're one of those people that made bread during the pandemic, maybe start making some bread again. I don't know. <laughs> do what you got to do to get to mid-March. And then I think we're going to have some fun. I think the rest of the year will be a lot of fun and we'll just, we'll forget this ever happened. It's easy to say, it's hard to go through, but better times are on the horizon. Better, better times are coming, Rashawn. Agreed. Agreed. And, and speaking of which, you know, we have it done. Oh my gosh, we have coaching candidate of the day. Hey, hey, we have not. We have, God, I'd be. We almost. I would have forgotten if you hadn't said anything. We almost <laughs> didn't get our coaching candidate of the day. I didn't want the text line to blow blow you up later yeah, on. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll let you pick because you are the hero of the day. Give me uh, any number between five and one hundred. Five and one hundred. Let's go with lucky number forty-five, Donovan Mitchell. 45. Hold on. Hold on. I, I had the wrong thing pulled up. I like that. I like that. 45. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Interesting. Hmm. Let's go out west. Hmm. A little bit out west. This team, their transition. I've actually used this person as an example for like why we could talk ourselves into anybody a couple times. <laughs> This team is not going to have a power conference to play in next year, but they're having a good season right now. So maybe their head coach would want to jump ship. It's understandable. Maybe he brings some of his good players. I've heard there's palpable buzz out there that Washington State's Kyle Smith mm. might be interested in making a jump. They're 14 and 6 right now. They're 5 and 4 in the Pac-12. They're headed to the West Coast Conference next year though. Not exactly a Super alluring spot for a guy who now has made the transition into power conference life. Maybe he wants to, I don't know, go to the more stable ground of the ACC. Did a great job at San Francisco, laid the foundation for the success they've been having over the past decade. Uh, was the first of, I think, three coaches now to take the Dons to the NCAA tournament or flirt with the NCAA tournament and get bigger jobs. And now he's doing pretty well at Washington State. They're having their best season so far. Maybe he wants to parlay that into the Louisville job. I don't know, but he's on the list. Palpable buzz. Kyle Smith wants the Louisville job. Louisville's talking to him. He's on the list. We have 15 guys now. Hey, that was impressive. I like that. And it and, and makes a lot of sense. There you go. I, li- I like that. Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith. Lamest yeah. name, but he's got a resume to back it up. <laughs> His resume makes up for it. 502-414-1450. We'll take as many texts as we can here, and then we will make some predictions for the weekend ahead, the NFL games, some college hoops, and then, of course, the Louisville game coming up tomorrow at noon against Virginia. Oh, and by the way, Mike, I told you I had a bone to pick with you. Oh, yes, you start yes, please, those, please let me know. I absolutely have a bone to pick to you. I vehemently disagree, I, and, and we almost agree on everything. But one thing I will disagree was a point you made to Scoots yesterday on the show, saying that Rick Pitino made a good, uh, d- d- uh, was right in sitting Peyton Siva on the bench and not starting him as a freshman. I absolutely disagree <laughs> with that. Edgar Sosa should have been moved to two guard. You slide Peyton Seaver into point guard. That Louisville team would have been much better off had that happened. I will have to. I will have to vehemently disagree that Rick made the right decision on not starting freshman Peyton Seaver. I mean, I get it. 
I you, you forget when he played <laughs> how frustrating he was to watch. Like he would do something special and then he would throw the ball away on four possessions in a row. He would. He was rough. And even his sophomore year, he was he was kind of more down than up. And then junior senior year, he was fantastic. But look, Rick didn't want to rock the boat. I guess he wanted to see Edgar. Edgar Sosa was a infuriating player for oh. sure. Edgar was always a two guard. To me, he, he was. The, like Rick tried to shoehorn him into that point guard role and honestly I really feel that because of the things that happened with Edgar and kind of the shortcomings mm-hmm. I think he was much more okay with Russ Smith becoming Russ Smith and I being okay right. with that and I think Edgar Edgar died so that Russ could live and fly the worst thing that happened to Edgar Sosa was that Texas A&M game his freshman year I totally agree where he just went off and then had the missed the two free throws late and then missed the last second shot. He scored 30 on AC law. I never will. Yeah. And then everybody just expected him to be the score first point guard. who was going to light it up the rest of his career. And he never really figured out how to play point. He lost this. Like he lost the point guard job in two straight years to Andre McGee, who was not nearly as talented as he was, but who just like played hard nosed defense and knew how to share the ball. And Edgar just just couldn't do it, and that, the, that's why I don't give him any credit for the UK shot, the shot that beat UK, because it was like the only reason we were in that position because we were winning that game by like nine or ten. We fell apart, and and he completely turned the ball over like three of the last four possessions he to set up, set it up. Like oh my gosh, like no, I don't give you any credit for that. I don't even remember that as a fond memory. Like it was all about Edgar screwing that up. So yeah, I will have to just you know I, I will be on the other side. That's of fine. That one. That's fine. Right I, with that one. You know. My- Average minds can disagree. <laughs> there we go. I-, I will say this though, like sometimes your favorite U of L players, like, like you love the way they play, you love their heart, whatever. You you know, off the court, they're kind of a holes. Yes. Sosa's the exact opposite. Like Sosa's game, I think drove all of us insane. <laughs> he cer- it certainly drove me insane. He's the nicest dude ever off the court. Like like he is. He's one of the best guys you can talk to. I, I think Louisville fans really respected the way that he carried himself when he was playing like the Pan Am games afterwards and his whole Louisville career or his whole professional career after UofL. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of been the opposite with Terrence Williams, who was beloved here and who would come back and just kind of like be on his phone the whole time during games, just didn't care. Never like, you know, he's he's not exactly covered himself in glory since he left UofL. Yeah. And Sosa's kind of the, the, the flip side of that. Did not like watching him play, but think he's a he's a very likable guy Agreed. overall. Basketball's not life, people. <laughs> There's a life. You go pro in something else sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, I, I respect that difference of opinion. I'm fine with that. I don't hate you for that one. Texture says, the thing that I never really understood about the whole Crum players versus Patino thing was the fact that Denny Crum was still supporting the program and going to games after he was forced out. I mean, how do you hold a bigger grudge than the person that it actually happened to? That's a great text. I could not agree more. If Denny was willing to put everything aside and go not only go to games, remember he did the the intro video where he and Rick fist bumped at the end. Oh, yeah. Like, he was more than willing to – like, I'm sure he was pissed off that Rick didn't allow him to go to practices, and I, I know Susan Sweeney Crum has voiced her concerns a lot um, since Rick and, and Tom got let, got let go about what took place there. But Denny never, ever spoke up, never, ever said anything, always went to the games, was always cheering for Louisville, always wanted the best for the program. If he can do it, the person that it actually happened it to, shouldn't you let him lead by example? I, I, it's never made sense to me. I totally agree with the texture. Texas says, Kenny Payne's a bad coach. It's the best text I got. <laughs> Thank you for that. Texas, if we have $2 million in lost revenue with men's basketball, would that be enough for a cause for termination and prevent UofL from having to pay Kenny any further money related to his contract? People keep looking for these, and like I love the idea. People are like, 
how is how can you not be fired for cause by just sucking as a coach? And I get it. It's just not the way that it works. Um, I don't, I don't think there's a clause in Kenny's contract that says if we lose so much money based on ticket sales or, or businesses, we can just get rid of you without having to pay a buyout. Unfortunately, we're going to have to pay the man. Unfortunately, but you think, you know, common sense just doesn't apply to the sports world. A lot of times texture says, um, I can't, I appreciate you clarifying. I, can't, I still can't read texture says, Big X ads, not big on passive guys. Was that commercial a comment on Kenny's coaching? I don't even remember. I don't even know what that's in reference to. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that's in reference to. Texture says, "Rock, I'm glad Kenny doesn't pay attention to social media naysayers. He, unlike anyone else, should be given the opportunity to right the ship, hire a defensive specialist, and keep this roster one more year. One more year. That's my dad. One more by year. The way. That's my father. <laughs> is he? Is, is that a genuine opinion? Yes. The Rock is my nickname. Anybody who's known me for like thirty plus years, my nickname used to be Rocky. So yeah, my dad. That that's my dad. And no, dad, we're not keeping him for another <laughs> year. We're not getting him a defensive specialist. I've been arguing with this man. He won't let it go. He's insane. But I appreciate you listening, though. I love how different our dads are. Like like <laughs> yours is fighting against you too. Mine after like the first minute of every game is like, get him out of here right now. <laughs> he's like, we he's had like, a text <laughs> argument for a full day about two days ago with me <laughs> arguing with him about this, and he will not let it go. But I appreciate his passion. I, love, I mean, a defensive specialist would go a long way towards helping. I mean, oh, absolutely. You have teams across the country, the latest trend is them hiring an offensive coordinator. Why not let us have a DC? I don't know. Tony Bennett, do you want to come be an assistant over here? Are you sick, are you sick of being the coach in Charlottesville? Come be our defensive coordinator absolutely. for Kenny Payne. Come there save this program. Please. Texas, how many students are going to have made it through four years at UofL without a tournament game or a win that has to kill fandom in the future? Look, I mean, there's a million sad things about what's happening right now. One of them that we don't really talk about is the student section finally got a shot of life when during the Chris Mack years and I think the very end of the Patino tenure. Like there was a concerted effort to make it better. Some students really like took it on their shoulders to to make the thing good. You know, they brought the, the little big head sticks. They, they you know, everyone was going to games. It was always full. And like the student section had never been better than it was like three or four years ago. And now you've got like three students going to games. It's right back to to where it was, and I think you worry about even if we do get good relatively soon, the student section still being kind of the way it was at the the tail end of the crumb years, and even in Patino, the student section was not great. But like that, it's another one of the just the the, the tragedies of this current run. We've lost all that momentum as well. But if you are a student right now, that has to suck. Ugh. Imagine growing up like dreaming of going to U of L because you were a kid when U of L was winning national titles, and you're like, I can't wait to be a part of that. And like you go there, and it's like four years of. Yeah, the the yeah. best you got was being the first team left out of the tournament in 2021. Then he one of those like pop culture like superstar basketball players like to come here, like a M- McCain or something like that. Somebody who just you know big social media presence, kind of like Haley Van Lith was mm-hmm. for the women's team. I think that's that's what they're going to need to kind of get the the students and stuff back involved. They need something to come for that that works outside the basketball world. It would be wonderful. For, for that whole situation. I will take somebody who has like 2,000 Instagram followers and a good highlight of a solid bounce pass <laughs> on their social media channels right now. Like, give me a guy with a, defec- uh, a defensive deflection highlight montage. <laughs> His hips are really open on defense. He knows what he's doing. Let's get that kid. I'm good with it. He knows how to hashtag. Bring him on. Texture says Tang or May? Uh, Tang. I'd go with Tang, but I like Dusty. Mayer. I'm good with either one. Yeah, yeah they're I, both I, guesses I like for different reasons. Yeah, agreed. 
Texas says bring Kelvin Sampson home. I would love it. I mean, I think we all would. I wanted Kelvin. Kelvin Sampson was my number one pick. It was him and Bruce Pearl, 1A and 1B, uh, back before Kenny was hired. Those were my two guys at the top of my list. I would give my left something mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Texas says, good afternoon. Wake up 502, main event Mike Rutherford show. Josh Hurd looked like he aged 20 years and seems like he's giving KP a third consuming year. He does look like he's aged a little bit. That's He looks so much older. He we, does. We all do. It's, <laughs> it's this world. Texas, what if DePaul hires Bruce Pearl? They're not hiring Bruce Pearl. DePaul couldn't get Bruce. DePaul couldn't get, you know, Bruce Willis. They couldn't get Bruce Armstrong. They keep talking about DePaul's got all this money, and that they just have a booster that's going to – I mean, maybe it's one of those, like, uh, those those gangster bosses or something up there in Chicago. That's I, just I guess. I mean – Funneling money in now? Like – I feel like they're going to have to go the mid-major route, though, because who in their right—I don't care how much money they have. They've had two winning seasons in 20 years. They've been, they haven't been to an NCAA tournament since 2004. Who's taking—the like, best they could do, and I know he's been kind of rumored, and I, I do think that there's legitimate buzz, is Bryce Drew, who probably didn't get a fair shake at Vanderbilt. They probably fired him a year too soon, and who's done a great job at Grand Canyon. He's, he's won everywhere he's gone besides Vandy. And Vanny's a tough place to win. And I think you say that Vanny's the outlier, not the other way around. If they got Bryce Drew, that's a big-time hire. I mean, I don't think that they could get Will Wade. If they could, that'd be enormous. But it's going to have to be somebody like that. That's their best-case yeah. scenario. They're not getting – they should not be swimming in the same waters that we are. I think that should go without saying, but I had to say it, which is sad. Uh, they should not be getting, like, rumors about Eric Musselman or, or NATOs or anybody like that. That's It's DePaul, for God's sake. <laughs> it's DePaul. Texas, how many uh, points would Juan Palacios have on this team? <laughs> I love Juan. Juan Diego Tejo Palacios, my man. Goggles Juan would have like 21 <laughs> points per game. <laughs> Unspectacled Juan would be closer to like 11 points per game. I yeah, feel like. Pretty boy Juan was never as good as Goggles Juan. He was. He, he's also is a, is a big what if. If you go back and watch some of the games in the run in 2005 when he was starting as a freshman, he looks like a different player than the guy that – we saw after the injury started piling up. Yeah, he could yeah. have been really, really good. Texas says the uh, the new worst commercial on Big X Radio. People, I haven't heard this. I guess I haven't been listening to the commercials today. Apparently, the passive man commercial. People are very upset about. <laughs> I I don't know how I've missed it. I'm literally in here running the board, and I didn't. Pay I haven't heard it yet. But <laughs> we have multiple texts about the passive man. Uh, Texas says, <laughs> I didn't hear you list any holes in my guy T.J. Osselberger's resume. This is the T.J. is the way guy. He loves T.J. Osselberger. I don't I don't blame him for it fine texas any up and coming uh any up and coming guys that i would be okay with how about drew valentine what are your thoughts there Drew Valentine. i mean who's he where does he coach loyola chicago now. Ah. it's his second year maybe third year he, he, he took over whenever puller moser left for oklahoma he took over there and he's done a good job they made the they've made the tournament once under his watch i know that but they were terrible last year and I don't think they're having a like they're okay this year. I don't think that they're they're very good, um, but they were really bad last year. So I'm gonna need to see it for. He, he's been a head coach for two or three years. It's I, not in my personal opinion. Louisville has to get somebody who is as sure a thing that he can win as possible, even if it's not a guy who you think if he doesn't have championship pedigree at least it's the smallest chance possible that he would come in and have like a 500 record. You need yeah. to have somebody who's going to come in and be able to flirt with 20 wins first, first year. Totally. Yeah, it has to be less of a guess than Kenny yes. Payne was. You're, yes. you're going to be guessing to a certain degree with any of these guys we're talking about. 
it has to be more of a sure thing or closer to a sure thing than Kenny Payne was. Because Kenny Payne, let's be real, if you hire anybody who's never been head coach before, it's a massive guess. This has to be more informed. Texas Bozich wrote a hit piece today on Mike Woodson. He's pretty much calling for his job and saying a historic brand like Indiana can't accept these results. Buddy, do I got some news for you? I No, he didn't. <laughs> I hope that's not true. Don't tell me that that's what's happening. There's uh-huh. no way. There's no way he'd be that tone deaf. That has to be exaggerated. <laughs> Texture says, can we have Rashawn back every day? Nice to hear intelligent analysis. I'd take him and, uh, or Matt. I appreciate Rashawn's that. Rashawn's the best. We love him. We love having him here. Texture says, uh, ask Rashawn about Danny taking shots at Holy Cross on the podcast. We already talked about it. <laughs> it, it came up already. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We ought to come up. Hey, we got a chance to actually win something in the districts this year. So, hey, Holy Cross Cougars, baby. Boom. New era. Texas, speaking of Kobe, have either of you ever looked up where someone tweaked his draft analysis? His strengths were listed as natural score and work ethic. His weaknesses were listed as passing and liking teammates. <laughs> no, but that's good. <laughs> hey, spot on. Uh, Texas, did you see last night was U of L night at the Pacers game? Siakam, who Wara got traded for, had a triple double. Pacers are sixth in the East and trending up after the trade. If you want some relief after Louisville basketball misery, the Pacers could be an option. It's fair. I'm not a Pacers fan. Definitely not, ever. No. <laughs> it does suck that U of L night happened right after Jordan Moore got traded to Toronto. Texas says, I agree. If not, Jay Wright, Scott Drew. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 if you can get either one of those guys, that's a, you know, you're going to have 90% of the people excited about that if you get either one of those guys. Texas says, Jay Wright playing hard to get is so flirty, and it just makes me want him even more. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> He knows how to play the game. He's going on TV wearing those red ties. He Give me those hungry eyes. He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> Cardinal red tie. Seth Davis out there talking about him fielding all those job offers. Want him more. <laughs> Come here, Jay. Texas, do you think that Josh is going to be allowed to fire KP, or is the president board going to override him? I can't say for sure. I, I, I assume this is going to be his call after two full years. Have to assume. Texas, after beating Arizona, is Wayne Tinkle going to get another contract extension like he did in 2021 after the Elite Eight run? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Isn't that the guy who missed the field goal in like uh, the Pet Detective? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember what his name was. I went at Wayne Tinkle. Was it? Was it? I have no idea. Ray Finkel. Ray, Ray Finkel. Finkel. Ray That's Finkel. Was. That was close. Ray Finkel, pet detective. (laughs) Texas says, you're looking for cause. How about B-cause? There you go. (laughs) I like that. Texas says, I grew up a UofL fan. I did my undergrad at WKU. Uh, I then was pumped in to cash in on student ticks at UofL for both years of my MBA program, only to have KP be the head coach for both. Thank goodness for alumni ticks. That does suck. I do feel bad for anybody who's having to go through this. Like, it's just, you know. I, I as badly as I feel for the students, the people that I feel the worst for are the, those people who are at that age of like those formative sports years when you're really becoming a fan, like age, I want to say like age 11 through now like 18 or 19, who all they really know, like, you know, you, you have some memories from when you were eight, nine, 10 years old about UofL, but you really get into it when you're like fifth, sixth grade and then into high school. And all those people have known has been scandals and, and, not, and losing basketball. And yeah. that just sucked. I mean, I thought we had it bad growing up when it's like, oh, all we had was the '97 run to the, <laughs> right. the Elite Eight and you know, all that stuff. It's like we had, we were, we were living the the high life compared to what these kids have been going through. That sucks. Texture says, um, 
I wish I were lying on the Bozich uh, tweet, a Bozich story. All I see is the the actual tweet of the story. It says, year three for Mike Woodson has been a step backwards for IU, and that has inspired questions from former players about what's going on in Bloomington. I, have to, I still have to read the story. It's got a lot of likes. It's not getting ratioed that badly, so maybe it's not quite that bad. Good old Rick, yes, this is year one, Bozich. It's not year one. <laughs> it's not year one. Texas hot take, John Beeline will either be hired by DePaul or Michigan. I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. He's been dealing with the... Oh, I could see that, especially at Michigan. Yeah, his son had kind of the like the, the family scandal. I think he stepped away from the coaching world primarily because of that reason. Um, you know, his, his son was the head coach at Niagara and then had kind of a scandalous thing happen, which allowed Greg Paulus to step in and become the head coach. Mm. And Beeline, who was going through his own, not necessarily scandalous thing, but he had certainly some issues with the Cavaliers, um, I think kind of stepped away just wanted to get out of the spotlight for a few years. I can see him wanting to come back. He's he's 70 now, so he's probably only got five or six good years. But if you're DePaul or Michigan, you take five or six. Hell, we take five or six good years. Kidding Absolutely. Me? Yeah, no question about it. Um, all right. I think that's all we have for the text line. We, we love you guys. Thank you for – if we didn't get to your text, we apologize. Let's pick some games this weekend. Let's start with the NFL uh, Conference Championship games. Big one around here. The ratings will be huge nationally. They'll certainly be huge here with Lamar Jackson trying to make the Super Bowl for the first time with the Baltimore Ravens. They're taking on ooh, the Kansas City Chiefs in their sixth straight AFC championship game. Taylor Swift, Patrick Mahomes, the whole crew. Baltimore's a four-point home favorite. Rashawn Myers, who wins this game Saturday at 3 o'clock on CBS? Give Sunday, me, Sunday. Give me the Ravens. I'm laying the points. I think that the, the Chiefs keep it close early, and I think it's one of those third quarters where the Ravens just put it away. Uh, that's what they've been kind of known for is coming out with big third quarters. I think it happens again, uh, and I think the Ravens win it by at least a couple touchdowns. Give me the Ravens, I'd say probably 31-17. i got a bad feeling about this game. I, I just I, Mahomes, all the, the conspiracy theories are out there, the refs that love favoring the road teams. <laughs> yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I really do. And I'm going to hate it because oh, I, I want Lamar in the Super Bowl almost as badly as I want the Lions in the Super Bowl. Speaking of the Lions... For the first time since 1991, they're playing for an NFC Championship on Sunday night, 6.30 on Fox, looking for their first ever Super Bowl appearance. They're a seven-point road underdog against San Francisco. Do they have a shot in this one? Um, yes, give me the Lions. I, I, think, I, I think Debo Samuel being hurt, I think that's going to um, give them some issues. And Brock Purdy's not playing well. I wish I had your confidence level. I, I think the Niners are going to win. I think they're going to win by double figures. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm very wrong. Come on, Lions. Uh, last but not least, Louisville taking on Virginia tomorrow at noon. We don't have a line on that. Cards will probably be a single-digit underdog. Any hope here of an upset, Rashawn? What's your prediction? No. <laughs> Virginia 59-52. I'm going to go Virginia 68, card 60. Hope I'm wrong. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Hope we're talking about a Lions Super Bowl on Monday. Regardless, we'll be here at 3 o'clock. Go Cards. Go Lions. Go Lamar.